Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 96 of Beer Another Podcast Adjunct Series. We are back, and we have a super great podcast, as always, this evening, folks. Um, this is a, a pretty new brewery, a pandemic brewery that uh, only opened within the last couple of years. Um, I've heard a bunch about these guys from uh, some of our fantastic audience on Instagram. So I've been really looking forward to this chat. I'm really glad we connected. So I'm going to bring them right on in. Please welcome Kyle from Turkey Shoe Brewing in the building. There he is. How you doing, man? Oh, you know what? I had you muted. Shit, my bad. There we go. You good? <laughs> I always Am I muted to... still? No, you're good now. Huh? <laughs> I couldn't even hear Good, man. Thank you for uh, hanging out, bro. Really great to meet you and uh, looking forward to yeah, getting too. into all this, bro. So we're going to get started. Obviously, we've, uh, we were just talking before. Been a long week, so it's, uh, it's time. We are going to kick off with this bad boy here, uh, Lagered Ale, Lake Simcoe. Mate, tell us about this one, dude. Yeah, this is our flagship. So Nice. Uh, yeah, this beer went through a ton of different iterations. The first beer, one of the first two beers I brewed uh, in the basement where this all began. Nice. Um, so inspired by a classic Kolsch-style uh, recipe. And um, it went through, like I said, uh, it evolved into what it is now. And it's just a super clean, crushable lager ale with uh, Ontario hops. Love it. What are the uh, hops in this one? Uh, this is, we first started with Hallertau, but nice. sadly the grower we used had a really bad year. So they couldn't make a ton of the Hallertau we were using. Okay. And uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Logo out, logo out. Oh, yeah, I got the logo. I got the official glass off that. Um, okay, so no Hallertau on this one. What did you move on to? Yeah, so we, we, we had Hallertau to start, but because the, the grow wasn't there and there's not a lot of growers that have that hop uh, available in Ontario, uh, we had to go with uh, Mount Hood, uh, which is Mount still Hood. a great stuff. gives all the same notes that you'd, you'd hope uh, from those hops. So it we, we always use Ontario hops, so it's tough for us sometimes to – find what we need and when something runs out we have to make that transition and we're really lucky that the same grower had something uh, as a sub so i uh, love happy it to use them mm-hmm. all right love it well first of all man great to see you cheers, cheers. get in here solid yeah so it's like a, i guess you'd consider it like a coach it's like a coach style mm-hmm. um yeah first beer inspired. of the night so inspired by okay the um Usually when I have the first beer of the night, I often find that my palate just needs a little bit of adjusting it. I like immediately it either tastes like sweet or bitter. I know that's not really what it is. So do you want to maybe talk us through some of the flavor profiles here that we're uh, getting? Um, yeah. So like it's it's got a little like everyone always compares mm. it to a lug tread, but it's not as like grassy as I'd say lug tread is. And it's that. got like those uh, – it's a little bit more malt than – some some of these loggers you'd get some logger days you'd get i think okay. and we try to lean into always having a little bit of hop character because we're using ontario hops we want them to shine through so we always make sure to add like just enough to kind of get a little bit of hop character not mm. too much to obviously take over the style but uh yeah i think it works out it's balanced it's crisp and uh Very. yeah people really like this one as a go-to kind of crusher yeah 
Um, I'm getting a little bit of that grassiness and the bitterness there, but like, it, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. It's not like anything over the top. 4.8, so it's like a little on the lighter side, which makes it that much more crushable and refreshing. It's hella mm-hmm. refreshing. The head is beautiful too, like a nice real foamy head. Um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, man, this is this goes down great. Um, this being your flagship, so was that your flagship because that's what you started with, or was it just like one of the most popular? Uh, so we knew, like we knew going into where we're located now, Georgina, mm-hmm. which I'm sure we'll touch on. It was yes. primarily. Uh, demographic we thought was going to be a lager town. So we knew that we needed to have something that was easy drinking. Okay. Uh, the first beer that actually started this company was called the Pepper Law Pale Ale. Sadly, that's still cooking right now. So I couldn't send you one of those, but that's the OG. That's like the golden child, we call it. And that was what we, the first can we ever did. Um, but we knew we needed a lager and we were super uncertain about kind of COVID and everything. So yeah. having a lager and then pushing toward the LCBO was where we started, which is really always thought a bit of an unorthodox start for a brewery like us, but we just didn't really know what to expect and new to a brick and mortar opening in a pandemic. We thought let's, let's push something to the LCBO to start getting our name out there so that when we finally do land and we can open doors, people might actually know who we are. Yeah. Uh, and not- yeah, we were, we got in the LCBO in June and we've been rocking the LCBO. So we're, we're, it's doing really well. Amazing. Uh, it's all over the Okay, I definitely want to touch more on that uh, as we go along because that's that's a, that is a big look. I certainly agree that it's uh, it's definitely the move to, to sort of get something up, you know, one product, even if it's not as profitable as it would have been, uh, just for that brand recognition. So love that, bro. Yeah. Um, let's take it back to the beginning, man. How did you personally get into beer and brewing, and how did that lead uh, to the brewery itself? Uh, so I've always been a beer guy. Obviously, I've always loved crushing a good beer. Uh, but when I was living in BC, uh, I was a force technician and that was kind of my career. I had kind of a career changing injury. I blew my knee out. And with that, I couldn't really continue that career because I worked in the, in the bush as a force technician. I walked for a living. So with no ACL, it was really tough for me to continue. Um, there was a brewery that opened up kind of right as that was happening. And they were friends of mine. I worked with one of the guys at the Boston Pizza he managed and he started this venture I watched them build this from the ground up and build this community around their beer and their brand. And it was just something to just kind of see, you know, I'd never seen it actually unfold like that. And the scene was kind of still new to me. So I wasn't really huge on craft. I obviously enjoyed it, but I didn't know that everybody was like so latched onto it. So watching them build it and coming home to live with Jacqueline, it was like this, let's do this. And we started kind of like poking around once I moved back from BC what do you want to do this? And Jack's like, yeah, let's, let's try it. So I just kind of picked up a book and started teaching myself how to brew a couple of years ago. Nice. And did yeah, you, so, did yeah. you like find yourself sort of like, was it easy for you to, to brew? Like, did that just come naturally? Uh, at first, like, I don't think any, anybody that starts as a home brewer ever <clears throat> has a good first couple batches. I was fortunate the first, like I, I did a few that were kind of duds and then, uh, I, I handed those beers to some friends and it started getting better reactions and people started saying like, Hey, you might be onto something. The beers are actually coming out. And I started diving really deep. When I get into something, I get into it so deep. So I just started reading and watching videos and like hours and hours and hours of yeah just reading and watching people do their own thing picking up these little hints uh and then just kind of throwing that at my style which was take a classic and give it my own flair with ontario hops obviously i'm gonna you'll hear me beat that to death tonight but i just that's one thing we we really pride ourselves on i'm a i'm an ontario kid and just like support local through and through so to be able to be a small brewery 
uh, and have a big voice with growing using only Ontario grown product is uh, it's something I'll always take pride in. So, oh yeah, I love that, bro. Um, the six. So, when did you? What as far as like the timeline? When did you start home brew? When you so, talked to your wife? When was that? Yeah. So we, I moved back from BC in probably June 2019. Okay. Uh, and I had no brewing experience. Um, I picked up a job with uh, a canning company working as a mobile canning uh, operator. You were telling uh, me and that in that okay. time, I, that was about, I think, September 3rd, if it's in my mind right, it's, that was the first brew day I ever had. Was September 3rd, 2019, uh, I just watched a bunch of videos. I got a kit from Toronto Brewing. Nice. And Sorry. I got That's some hops home. from just somebody that I think it was a <clears throat> heritage hops. One of the guys at heritage hops had some leftover Raquel. So I threw that on top of the, the base recipe and a little sprinkle of some extra grains just to make it my own. And that was the, that was what made the peffy, I guess that was pepper right. pale ale. So, uh, I brewed every single weekend from that weekend on for a year and a half straight. Wow. I don't think I missed a single weekend. And if I did, it was me brewing on like a Thursday night after work. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Okay. So this is like a, like going, that's like two and a half years, really. Yeah. Uh, so we've been building Turkey shoot for, yeah, for two and a half years. It started in the basement of our Etobicoke rental. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had like a, a really sweet all cement floor down in the basement that we weren't using. And, uh, like kind of a floor drain right beside a wash basin. So I would just set my little brewzilla up right beside that. I'd go in and yeah, I'd just kind of brew. And every weekend I'd have a TV and it kind of developed into just being a basement brewery. Like we'd have buddies over and then our other business partner would come. He'd help me brew and develop the recipes. And we just kind of kept going and kept going and pushing every weekend to, to build our recipes up. Amazing. So when did the actual brewery open? So we've been open, we're coming on our first year actually. So we're one year as of April 26th. Okay. The first day that we opened our doors for people to come and pick up their pre-ordered stuff through the door as we handed it to them in a bag with our masks (laughs) on and gloves. That's crazy. (laughs) Curbside pickup. Yeah, right? Yeah. Man, I forgot about that. That's hilarious. So you essentially then only had to homebrew for a year and a half. Till it got to the yep. point, obviously, that like how soon into this did you realize that like, like you were saying that, you know, people, the response was getting better and better from your friends. Like how long until you were like, oh no, like we're doing this. Like when was that time? Um, that's such a good question. Mm. Cause that's such a hard, like it's a, such a hard moment to re- like to recall. Cause building up to it, right. You get, you start building that passion. You start seeing, and especially being at the other breweries canning for other like businesses and seeing what they had, it was like, wow, like this would be something cool to build. And like, I got no career now let's try to do something different. And then I would say probably after like the third or fourth brew that we really got good reception from, I was like, Jack's like, do you trust me? (laughs) That was the first question. Do you trust me? Um, And then she said, yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to let's dive into this and like really push this. Uh, And we started doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think it was about, eight or nine months later, we did our first contract batch with Cayman Kettle, um, or maybe a year. I don't know my time, but the wife, she'd kill me if I got this wrong, but <laughs> we did our first batch. It was Pepperlaw Pale Ale. Uh, we did it with Cayman Kettle. They did a great job and it was contract. And we just sold it just out of restaurants because that was all we could do. We didn't have a brick and mortar. And then a few months later in November, uh, sorry, six months later in November, we uh, opened where we took the keys to the building and then it took us until April to get the building operational. 
And uh, yeah, now we're we're here pumping and got a little brick and mortar, and it's been a fast turnaround, man. It, it's yeah. kind of been like we put the we put it in full throttle, and we kind of put a brick on the pedal, you know? <laughs> wow, honestly, man, like I've probably done three 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 fifty podcasts. I've never heard any time to turn around that fast at all. So that means you were home brewing for just over a year for when you got the keys to a professional like brick a facility, and, a brick and mortar facility yeah. and even probably yeah about that because yeah it was because it was, it was september through yeah yeah september through november so it's like 14 yeah. months and then like what yeah. you said about six months before then or whatever it was that yeah, you were doing the contracting yeah that's crazy that's, that's, yeah, yeah, that's it was pretty, a lot. It was it was kind of fast turnaround. Like I said, yeah. I was I was fortunate. I was very fortunate to be kind of thrown right into the industry with the canning job uh, because not only did I have like the, the passion and I the 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 want to know more mm-hmm. about it, but I was immersed in like I was literally packaging people's product and seeing like how they were doing it, and I asked a shitload of questions. I probably drove yeah. so many brewers crazy. Uh, I'll tell you, obviously there's a, we'll talk about the collab later, but there's, yeah, I, I just asked a lot of questions cause I just was so curious. Like, how'd you do that? Why are you doing that? Like, how'd you and, get that to work? <laughs> and they were cool. They were like happy to. Yeah. No, this yeah. industry is known for that. Right. Like yeah. there's no, there's no one you couldn't shoot a message on Instagram or Facebook and just be like, Hey, like I'm really struggling with this. Like, what do I do to fix this issue? And there's quite a few people that I could right now just shoot a message to and they would respond if not today, tomorrow, and they'd say, hey, like, this is how you do it. Right. Okay. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the, was it like a sense of urgency or something that you had that made you want to move so fast? Like, just because it's so unusual that being, you're the brewer at this, at the brick and mortar, right? You're still. Yeah. 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 So it was just, so it started with myself, uh, a university mm-hmm. friend of mine, uh, his name's Brennan and my wife. Uh, Brennan and I did a lot of the recipe development and as soon as we kind of did the contract and found a spot, we, we didn't know the pandemic was coming obviously. So at at the time it seemed like really like we kind of want to find a spot before the spot we're looking for gets scooped up and then someone's kind of hitting on, hitting the nail on the head, you know? So it funny enough, which we kind of skipped over because it just, it's a part of the story too, but we first tried to buy a diner in Huron County, which is like three and a half hours west of us, okay. where I have family and friends, that fizzled completely and that kind of developed the name Turkey Shoot. So Turkey Shoot is defined as like a sure shot thing. You're never going to fail, uh, taking advantage of it. Uh, right. But opening a brewery is absolutely nothing like that. <laughs> and the first venture that we had was right beside a giant turkey farm. So we just like, that was kind of how it all developed. We kept the name to keep us kind of humble and remember like, this is a grind and it will be a grind from this day until the day we finally sell out, which we won't do. But I mean, you know, it's just, it's never going to end. So it's always going to be that grind. And I know anyone that's opened a brewery can, can probably attest to that, especially during the pandemic. So. Oh yeah. Which is, which is crazy. I guess that adds another layer to it though. Like the fact that it was like late 2019 when you started brewing and then you were able to probably it would have timed out like probably just when the pandemic started you you, you did the contract is that right have i got the timing right so, yeah, so, yeah again i'm i'm, I'm trying Ish. to figure out all the, the exact times i should have written down but um, no yeah it was basically first lockdown we launched the peffy okay 
pretty much like a week before it, we got it like packaged. The second lockdown was when we launched the Lake Simcoe, which was in January, just before we opened, uh, just before we kind of opened, because we had the keys in November. We got this one contracted in January and then it hit the stores and everything opened up in April. And that's when we started doing kind of the contract stuff, or sorry, the, uh, the sales out the door. And then, uh, yeah, once we were able to actually have people in, we kind of rolled in through, that's kind of the timeline right there. Right. It's just, okay, amazing. I'm sure I'll keep coming back to it because it's, it's, uh, it's just so fascinating to me, man, that like you, and so in, a, in an amazing way that you, you and, and your missus believed in yourself so much and what you were going to do that you, I mean, obviously, you know, opening a brewery, a brick and mortar brewery is, is not a cheap endeavor. So it's, you know, you no, really have to no, believe. <laughs> Everything costs a lot here in this industry. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of the most capital, <laughs> capital heavy things, right? It's crazy. No, so, and <clears> luckily, <throat> I'm, I'm handy enough that we, we definitely saved in that respect. And I think anyone who has a DIY style brewery like ours, like half the stuff, some of the brewers who have fancy equipment would come and look at my spot and be like, what the fuck? They'd be like, holy cow, look at this shoddy spot. But we make, we still make beer and it's just, I know how to fix shit. So it's, it saved us a lot. And in this, uh, like if you look at the brewery, you ever come to the brewery, I, I'd love to have you obviously. For sure. um, everything that's in there is made by me and my wife from refurbished wood pallets, pieces of logs, everything. It's all super like cozy and refurbished because that's just how I've always built stuff. Right. But obviously when lumber went 230% up, we couldn't really afford to build a nice patio. So even our beer garden is lined with all pallets and that's, we call it the TSBC beer garden. I grew my vegetables in it. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Yeah, man. Okay. So then when you, so you got the keys in November and you opened, so November 2020, and then you opened for people to come through. I forgot the timeline there. It's so like a matter of months. So like a year, April. yeah. We're, we opened the doors. We opened the doors April 26th of That's 2021. What, Okay, yeah. so you're coming up on the first yeah, year. Yeah, so we're coming up on our one-year anniversary on the 26th. This on the 26th. Year. And when you yeah, opened – that's amazing, man. Um, you had two be- – so by the time you opened, you had two beers uh, contracted, which were this one and the pale ale. And yeah, and the pale ale. The pale ale only contracted because we thought that would be the beer that would fly, and then we okay. realized right away the lager was the one. So that's why we skipped over to the lager, and now I brew the Peffy in-house, and the only beer that we contract is the the lager just because we're in the LCBO, and we just could Need never volume. keep up. Gotcha. Yeah, I only brew 250 at a time, so I'm, I'm very small. I'm micro. <laughs> gotcha, which is which is fun, though. Like, yeah, I mean, that explains yeah. the, you know, you got the bottles. It's a handwritten label, which I was like, man, I haven't seen something like that in a while. And I think that's like, brings it back mm. to the essence of what this is all about, mm. like, you know, making this. Yeah, really we hand label a lot yeah. of stuff. <laughs> it's, I'm sure that takes uh, fucking forever, but I really appreciate that. Okay, sick. So the area you're in, you mentioned Georgina. Um, mm-hmm. where is that in specific? So Georgina's just 50 minutes north of Toronto. Um, oh, that's it. We're right on the shores of Lake Simcoe. And obviously if you're, if people have ever seen the can, the can is done by a local artist, uh, in a beautiful kind of a play on Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, if you look closely right above Keswick, there's a little pack of turkeys. Yeah. And oh, if you okay. look throughout the can, the funny thing is, is that no one really knows and we're, we haven't really told a lot of people, but there's a lot of other breweries on this can. So if you look around, there's a, a bunch of other breweries. So there's Market Brewings in there. We've got Old Flame. 
Flying Monkeys. I'll let you search for the rest of them. But there's about five or six breweries on there that we've put in as little Easter eggs just kind of for fun. And they're in the area, so I thought it would be kind of cool to to add a little secret hidden uh, search on the can. That's cool, man. I love that. Okay, I I haven't heard of Georgina. I mean, look, I haven't lived in Ontario for a bit, but – that's great. So I imagine you're probably one of the, like the only brewery in town or? Yeah, we're the only brewery in yeah. town. Yeah. Okay. So that was, and that decision came from Jacqueline. So Jacqueline was born and raised here. Okay. Um, once the whole venture in uh, Grand Bend kind of crashed and burned, we needed a new spot and she threw out this area. I did a little bit of research for a couple of weeks because I was kind of obviously torn. I was a little sour that my area that I had thought would be kind of a smash hit fell through and that's where my folks live. So it would have been kind of cool. She suggested this. And as soon as I started looking at it with the boom that's happening here and the lack of brewery and lack of kind of just this whole, this atmosphere that we've created, uh, it was a, it was a hundred percent. Like she made the choice and I was like, you're, you're killing it. <laughs> like good thought. Now we're here it. and it's in her hometown, which she grew up in, which is really cool. She knows a lot of people. It's uh, it's her roots. So right. I meant a lot to me to be able to do that for her too. So mm. I guess that must help too, being that like it's it makes it a lot easier if you know that there's this almost built-in crowd. If it's from a small town and and people, she knows everybody anyway. It's gonna make it mm-hmm. like, people more inclined to support, and you kind of got this built-in base rather than sort of going somewhere new where no one knows you guys and all that type of stuff. Yeah, no. And, and this town is so, it's so integrated in terms of like the local support local. Cause like even people who haven't seen her since she was like a small kid in theater, or like teaching her music, they still recognize her still are super stoked and super happy to support her. And they're like almost like proud. It's like, it's awesome to see. There's sometimes we're all stand at the bar and people will come and say like, Oh, we're so proud of you. And I'm just like, Oh, that's, that's, that's so cute. warming, you know, yeah. like just seeing people, see her come back to her hometown and open something so special. It's really awesome. That's great, man. Are you located? Is there like a main, excuse my ignorance of the area. Is there like a main street? Uh, like, is that type of town? Yeah. And you guys sort of like central? Yeah. So Georgina is made up of a bunch of hamlets. So there's about four major kind of like towns, I guess, or hamlets, okay. what do you want to call them? Uh, we're in Keswick, which is the dominant one. So there's, about, I'd say, 50-plus thousand people in Georgina. We're on the Queensway, and I would say we're the area that's being, like, developed around. There's, like, two big complexes that are kind of popping houses up. Like, once a week, we'll go for the walk through, and it's like, oh, one, two, three, four. That one's new. That one's ready to go. Oh, someone lives there. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I've heard of Keswick, actually, definitely. Okay, so yeah. Georgina's more the region. Yeah, so Georgina's like, yeah, the the it's called the town. I believe it's. I always get this wrong, but I think it's the township of Georgina, and okay. Keswick is a town within that township. So understood. However, okay. they want to break it down, but it's Keswick, Sutton, Pefferlaw, and then there's Jackson's Point, which is kind of the touristy spot. So those are the four okay. main kind of known names in there, but all of it makes up Georgina, the greater okay. area. Okay, and I guess like you said, it's only fifty minutes north, so that's hence Old Flame being that they're in that area. Yeah. It's, and I yeah, like, so there's Old like Flame, New Markets, yep. The Bear. There's the Crown, which is uh, George on Main. Oh, I've heard of that. Giving okay. them all away. Yeah, yeah. If you look, uh, you actually just interviewed uh, one of the owners in Second Wedge. If you look below the word Ale, the signage. Ah, that's it there, that's Oxbridge. And then if you look up, there's the Monkey. There's a Plane, which is Barnstormer. 
Oh uh, yeah, they're in Barry. No? And then the little, uh, it, it's kind of, it's tough to see because it's so small. I see but it. The little I see like it. shifter, it's a shifter for Redline Brewing. I see that Barry. too. And then, the, and then if you look, the there's monkey. one more way up at the top. There's a bird. I see that. It's kind of misrepresented because I don't think they have anything to do with a bird. But there's a quail, which is Quail's Brewing, which is an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous brewery. Okay. Oh, and sorry, there's a boat in Aurelia for Kuchichin. Okay. All right. I know some of these ones. All right. But I, that was, I guess what my what I was getting at was like, do you have other breweries nearby? Because say people are coming up from Toronto or somewhere else, right? Yeah. Like you'd go you, – so you drive right by the three. So where Market and Old Flame and George are, those are the three main ones. They're all in Newmarket, all wicked, uh, wicked breweries with their own styles. Um, we've, uh, actually collaborated with market brewing. So we're, yeah, we've done, uh, we did a pills with them a while back, which was super fun. And, uh, I think we're releasing that soon again because everybody had, uh, it got so much hype. We had to, we had to launch it again. That's awesome, man. That's great. Like, I, I love that there is definitely a whole bunch of, you know what, you know, beer folks are like, they might not go out of their way for one brewery, but if there's a bunch, they can make a day of it. Um, particularly coming up to the summer where, People are more mm-hmm. inclined to do this type of stuff, and we'll have patios again, yeah. and all this, all this good shit. Um, that's sick, bro. I like that a lot. That's really cool. So, when you opened, I mean, what was the response like from the community? I know you said that you know everyone was pretty stoked uh, to see your wife open up a, a place in their hometown, but um, yeah, like what you know, were the locals pretty like, oh wow, like this is to have? I feel like breweries are like that community place, and people get pretty excited yeah. about it. You know? No, you're totally right. And it was kind of funny because we knew that there'd be some people. We had a bit of a mixed review because it is kind of a reserved older town. There's still like there's it's not a lot. There's not a lot that's here. They don't have anything like this. Obviously, not just a brewery. They don't have anything with this kind of atmosphere. They've got a lot of hometowny places, kind of the whole not the watering holes. I don't want to say that because they're all great places. They're all great local businesses. But those places that people have been going to for so long, it's hard for them to make that change. So we had a few obviously that were hard to make the transition, but we had such a good response the first month of people who just needed something new, love that there was a craft brewery that they could call their own. And we've just, it's just blown up from, from there. The community here is, is crazy. And I, I love that about this place. And I, I'm sure that a lot of the breweries you hear that over and over and over is it's so much about community. It's not even oh, yeah. about just the beer. It's just, it's about the people. Cause there's such amazing people we have people that we've met at this brewery that are coming to our wedding already because they're just such amazing people that just have done nothing but support us and be proud of us. And that's, it's uplifting because we've just moved here. Like, I don't know anybody here and I have people that are kind of treating me like they know me just like they know Jacqueline. So it's right. cool. That's awesome, bro. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it, I don't know if everybody would respond like this to another type of business. I feel like breweries, like we were saying, are very this unique position that they draw out this emotion mm. and this loyalty and this like excitement that uh not everything yeah it's definitely that different atmosphere like you don't you don't walk into there's some breweries that have a, a bar atmosphere which you can kind of go to and love but ours is it's different so when you come into turkey shoot like we've got kind of dim lighting everything's made of barrels and wood and live edge like the whole bar is like 20 feet of live edge wood with grains inlaid and everything. So it's, it's got a vibe and like people come in and genuinely you see like eyes widen and people who have been there a ton just love that they can come and they have their cozy little table that they always like, they come in and they look to see if the corner table's ready. You know, it's, it's, it's cool that they, 
they wait for that and they want that and they're they're excited for that. It's, it's fun to build something like that. That's dope, man. I love it. I love it. So um, I was so that yeah, the community were excited. Where was I going? I had like a train that was going to go from there. I kind of lost it, but. So I derailed like, you. That's okay. That's okay. It's part of the, you know, I forget you all the time, particularly in a podcast where we get drunk. Um, no, so that's great. So you had, when you started, that was where I was going with, with maybe the product skills, wondering how people would have converted. So did you sort of like, um, like do the other, the restaurants in the area, did they stock your stuff? Like are they pouring you guys um, on tap or is that not much of an option because of the size of the, the batches? Um, so we were really lucky that, uh, the first restaurant that we launched our Peffer Law with was called Bailey's Homestead. Uh, his name's John Bailey, a local kind of local celeb. He's been a caterer, has a restaurant, and he launched us. Like we legally couldn't sell online um, without a brick and mortar, so we had to right. sell kind of the cheat code. Basically, sell through the restaurant with like a bowl of chips or French fries or buy some wings. Like we made sure people supported John for supporting us. And on our first day, I, I bet you we went through like 40 cases of beer, 30 cases, like our first, and that's through a restaurant. Like we brought a truck full of beer and we were like, Oh shit, we don't have to load as much. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh, so- it was, it was cool. And just to have someone take that risk and like, say like, Oh, well, we don't know who you are. We've never met you. Like let's open our restaurant to this new brewery who has no, spot of their own to sell their beer for them and like open it. It was just, it's an awkward thing to ask a guy like, Hey, can you open your restaurant specifically for us to just sell French fries and wings so that we can sell a shitload of beer? And he was like, Oh man, absolutely. So it was from that point on him and two other restaurants have basically kept us afloat during the pandemic, selling our Pepper law, our Lake Simcoe, whether it was cans or on tap, uh, which is more recently uh, we've had nothing but support from all the restaurants, but a few of them uh, have basically been keeping our brand afloat as it was really hard with no brick and mortar, for sure. Right. That's dope. So then see, that that's really cool, that once again, speaking to that community. The taste-wise, like you were saying, maybe a bit more of an older-leaning mm-hmm. town and you know, second way to saying similar things as far as like what people – like you have to get – you know, maybe there's some older folks who are a little uh, stuck in their ways and they like what they like and type of thing. How did you convert people? Was it more that, hey, look, you know, this Lake Simcoe Lighter kind of tastes like the Coors or whatever that you're drinking, but it's better. Like, have, they, have you, was it like an easy process or was it kind of a drawn out thing to get people to try it? So when, you know, and typically when people try things, they're like, oh, shit, like, this is really good. Like, was there a process? Yeah, so I think... The, the one mistake I think we made, and it's not even a mistake, we did really well with the Pepper Law, but I think because we started with a pale ale in a town who had no craft, mm. I feel like it was a little bit more of a nudge. And the pale ale is like super entry level. We've made it, it's like, I think it sits like 36 IBU. It's nice and light. It uses Cascade Racao, heavy on the Racao, so you get nice peach apricot notes. So it was like super like friendly as a starter. So it did well, but as soon as the Lake Simcoe dropped, it is a bit of a hockey, ice fishing kind of quad and sled town. So they are logger. They are logger town. And I'm luckily for a town like this, you have to brew kind of traditional stuff. I don't think the big cherry sours and smoothie beers and big pastry stouts would work here. Right. They do for some people, but to start like that, it, it wouldn't work. So weird. our flagships were... A lager, a pale, a stout, 
a West coast and then like a bit of a hybrid East meets West kind of hazy boy, but like not your full, like deep new England. Right. Um, and that was just cause I didn't know what to expect. Right. So, uh, and then the red barn, the red, the red ale too, the one that I sent you is, uh, yes. which we, we were not going to dive into tonight, but enjoy that one. Cause, uh, that beer probably sells more than any other beer we have from really? start to finish because oh. it's just, it's, it fits any season. Right. You can have it in the summer. It's nice. You can have it in the winter, mm. obviously. And then people are crushing it like crazy because it's our Irish vet. So <laughs> interesting. It's kind of like, I guess it makes sense though. Like it's, it's more like the, some, from what I've heard and you can probably speak to it that like, say, you know, the people who aren't as adventurous maybe with, with craft and they want to go into all the crazy shit. They like an Amber cause Amber was my first favorite style personally, because it was the first thing. It was like step one from a lager. Mm -hmm. It was interesting, a little bit different flavors, a little bit more complex than what you used to. And it was just like, it's just always like a pleasure, but it wasn't, it wasn't like too much for people. It's like, just yeah, not, like, not as deep as stout or like as bitter as an IPA. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I imagine that's probably played a part in it because maybe like some of the folks who you probably won't ever get to drink your stout or any of the other fun stuff you're doing. Oh, we, we have a few, we have a few stern people yet. Yeah. <laughs> we I push them so. though, man. We push. Good, good, we good, twist good. Arms. Hey man, look, if, if uh, that's kind of the, the role that it'd be like that place. So it's great that you've, you know, you've got something like that, that it's, it surprises me when you're saying that it was your best seller, but it kind of doesn't when you think about it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's something we've only just recently kind of looked at, but like we, we look at the numbers every, every month, obviously, like when we do all our taxes and stuff, but it's interesting to see every month, how those beers transition seasonally. And I'm a very seasonal, I'm, I'm guilty for it. I am seasonal shit i'll brew summer beers in the summer i'll brew stout like i have like six stouts right now on the tap like i got so many stouts because it's stout season it's, it's obviously st pat's so um i'm guilty for that but i did know right away that the cleaner crisp kind of classic beers is what i love and i know that it's just like anybody and they always say it at any cook too if you love what you do and you love what you make it comes out a little bit better Obviously, there's beer styles that I don't traditionally brew. Like, I don't brew a lot of New Englands. I don't brew a lot of sours. I love a good sour, and I appreciate the shit out of them. I just don't think they they don't sell as well here. So they sit mm. on tap a little bit longer. So I find the fresher, cleaner, crisp, easy-drinking beers kind of <laughs> rotate a bit quicker. That's fair enough, man. I guess that's part of the mm. game, right? you got to figure out, you know, maybe what you intended to, to start making. Yeah. Is it what you what the people who become your customers uh, particularly mm -hmm. want to drink? So that's always I imagine that's probably an interesting thing for a lot of breweries. Like you might think it's going to be this whole thing, and then you just like pivot completely. Um, uh, which one? Sorry, I just got my girlfriend now. She's just like, do you want do you want to grab the next one? I'm looking. We're about thirty five minutes in. How do you feel? Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I got one sip left, so I'll Perfect. finish mine. And, uh... We're gonna do the, the pills. Yeah. Uh, oh, which one are... oh, which one are we doing? Remind me. Sorry, you didn't tell me before. And let's I... do dinner jacket. The bottle in the fridge, please. Thank you so much. Yeah, let's do the bottle. I yeah, don't have a label on this, but uh, yeah, no worries. I do man. have my. I do have Excalibur. Oh, there's my Excalibur. Dandy dandy. <laughs> I love that. Had this. Uh, I've had this awkward opener for many, many no. years. Jacqueline makes fun of me when I use it, but I use it all the time. And That's awesome. It, I got it. I got it at a thrift shop, and I couldn't not pick it up. No, you have to do that. It looks awesome. <laughs> so this is called your Dinner Jacket New England IPA uh, in yeah. the bottle, like we were saying, with the uh, with the hand. I, just, I don't know. I really like the uh, the hand-drawn label. Not drawn, but hand. 
This shows that someone, like a human, went there and they actually, you know, makes you kind of remember. I don't write any of the labels ever. You don't do it? No, I no, I have child's writing. <laughs> so, man, so do I. It's actually. Oh, you're born doing it. <laughs> so uh, tell us about this one, man. So yeah, this one, like like you can probably see right away. Like I said, I don't do like a deep, deep New England, like super hazy, can't see through it. I like to call this a mashup. It's East meets West, I say. Okay. So I basically build it similar, like the body of it, similar to a New England, but I use a, a clean finish yeast, so it drops a lot of it out. And uh, the blend on this is bittered with wild turkey hops from Clear Valley. Uh, and I believe this one is triple pearl, Racal, and cascade combo, uh, mostly in the late end. Cascade, okay. Triple pearl is an interesting one for a, uh, for a New England. Yeah. So, yeah, so you'll get a ton of like orangey citrus, but the, the uh, bit of the pine comes through too, and that's kind of why I say it's a bit of a hybrid because you get a bit of citrus, a bit of pine. So it's, um, it's a nice balance though. Beauty. All right, let's do it, man. Cheers, brother. Get it in you. Cheers, eh? I think I sipped too early. Mm -hmm. It's all good. Okay, that's I see what you mean. It is like because East East meets West. I've heard like heard that used before. Um, this is like yeah, probably the, in a much more true way. I haven't actually tasted anything like this before. That's crazy unique. Like um, it, it's a bit different. Yeah. Like so. Yeah. Again, I don't like to follow the script. I always joke and say like my recipes are like looking at one recipe and half the page is ripped off. <laughs> I always joke with that like. That episode from Friends where they're eating that like seven layer dip and there's like meat and potatoes in it. I don't put meat and potatoes in my beer, but okay. I like to mash it up and make a difference. So yeah, it's not yeah, man. as deep and as like creamy, obviously, as like your your traditional New England, but it's definitely got a lot of that body haze and uh, I think it finishes more like the West Side. So Yes. It's almost that's what's tripping me out. Yeah, is, that's kind of what people enjoy about it. It's like kind of fresh and like drinks starts like a New England and then you get that pine coming through in the back and it's kind of fun. Yeah. A little um, bit of a different, uh, little change up. Yeah, definitely. It's totally switched it up and it's got that sort of um, like, from what I understand, I've had Triple Pearl. I know a hop farm here who does it and it's like, a, I guess peppery is probably one word I could describe it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm getting that coming through here. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, it's, it's, it's got a sharp finish and there's always like... I always said kind of like clementine, almost like rhininess to it. Like that's what mm. I always get when we put it. We did a, we did like a single, we're doing single hop additions to beers. And uh, that's one of the ones that my wife used on a seltzer. She did a hop seltzer. And that was one of the wow. things you just tasted uh, like kind of like sharp, kind of rindy tangerine notes on it almost. It was kind that's of cool. That's exactly what it is. And kind of like grapefruit. With it. Mm, yeah, like you definitely get the grapefruit. Yeah. There's a little bit of that for sure. Mm. It's like the grapefruit, like that, with the grapefruit rind, exactly what you said, or the pithiness of mm -hmm. it, mixed with like a touch of pine in there as well. Just and a then, bit, yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating, bro. I've, honestly, I've never had anything like this before. This is that's good to hear. Good, yeah. good to know I can bring something new to the table. Guys had a lot of beers like you. Love it. Good shit, man. So, you know, speaking of what you were saying, uh, as far as people's. Um, you know, what, what they're into and stuff. And you're saying that this type of style doesn't, you know, it's not flying out the door up there. Um, how has the response been to, to this specific beer? And like, is, is most like, and then second part so of that. 
It, that's yeah, that's a great question because like uh, when you used beer when I launched it, like I know that everybody loves the haze craze, and mm-hmm. like don't get me wrong, I appreciate the shit out of a good hazy boy, and I do love one. Mm-hmm. I'm just a bit jaded because I, I did I packaged a ton of them and I've tried a million of them because I was trying to get into the style and like get behind it. I'm just such a classic clean finish beer guy, so. Um, this one, that's why I leaned a little bit more clean finish and a little bit more to the West Coast finish. That's just me as a brewer. That's what I like. But this, again, the response to this beer has been so great that it's starting to push me to want to do more of these New England styles because I, I appreciate the shit out of them. Mm. And I love what people are doing with the big hop combos and the body on it's the one thing I miss. I don't do a lot of big body, like thick, creamy beers. And uh, I, I'm going to do a big one this summer for sure. I've been getting enough questions about it. And people know they trust me enough, I think, with beer now that they'll let me kind of venture off from my tr- traditional classic beers. And uh, that's that's fun because now I can really start pushing the envelope because I love brewing and I love pushing the recipes because there's so much, so much to develop in a recipe. And there's yeah. so many styles like I haven't even touched on so many styles. Which is <laughs> good. So much to work with, right? It's beautiful. Yeah, that's the, that's the fun in it. I love it. It's that. fun to analyze a beer. I drink my beer all the time, but it's fun to just sit down and enjoy one on the. <laughs> yeah, like kind of talk it's about. It's not like on the fly, you know? Yeah. And that's what a lot of people like. I imagine it's probably not the most riveting thing in the world for the brewery to be drinking their beer during the podcast. Obviously, that's what we're here to promote. But, you know, if you're the brewer and you're trying these things every single day and, and you know, you kind of do get over yeah, it. Yeah. Like, and yeah, it's tough to, obviously, being at a brewery, like, that you just have. I have 14 taps by the summer's starts. I'll have 14 taps. I'll have a dedicated seltzer tap, a nitro tap, and then my 10 rotating taps. So yeah, it's tough to, (laughs) to not drink your own beer, but it's nice to sit down and enjoy one. Cause like, I'll, I'll obviously have a sip here and there, but you just, there's too much work to do to, to sit down and really enjoy my own. And and people always ask me that question. Like, do you like your beer? It's like, of course I do. It's like, but I have it all the time because I have to make sure it tastes good. Right. Because then it kind of takes it the same as anything. If you make the stuff, yeah. like I don't know, if you make music, if you make films, you're probably not going to like consume your own stuff and beer. It's like a, it's like a chef. Like I'm sure chefs are the same way. They, yeah. they sometimes make a meal over and over and over again. And I'm sure when they go home, they'll never fucking make that for themselves. <laughs> Hell no. Cause it's, it's too much. But at the same time, I, I see what you mean though. Cause it's, because maybe we're talking about it in more detail and I'm asking questions whilst we're drinking it so people mm. can really get the, the point out I want to know, but I imagine the, the idea the audience can, can understand what, what they're, you know, what you offer as well. So it's uh, kind of analyzing it in a different way, maybe bringing it back to when you design the recipe perhaps, because when you're approaching the beer and you're making, you're like, oh, I want to make a beer that tastes like this and has this texture and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of bringing it back. But um yeah, I feel that. That's, that's always interesting to me. So I'm glad that people are asking for New Englands. I think that is uh, a good, maybe like a suggestion, uh, not a suggestion, but like a good indicator that things are slightly kind of like people are interested in a little, or at least a segment of your audience is after something a little different than. Yeah. The yeah. Cause to, like to, to be honest, like I'll be like, I've only really, this is probably the haziest beer I did. I okay. do like even my wheat beer, like my wheat beer is like an American, like crushable, super clean wheat, like American wheat. So uh, that's just something I've always liked. I like clean beers. You can kind of see through, but now that I know everyone likes the full body and they like that creamy, like thick 
fucking big head on it. Like I'll, I'll brew that too. Like I know how to brew those. I not like, I haven't brewed them. I just, not what I leaned into. Cause that's not what I thought would be the demographic here. Gotcha. So like I said, now that I've like basically been told by the town, just by their response to all the product that they do buy from us, all the different beers they enjoy, they just basically say like, carry on like let's see what else you got so yeah i've got a our, our sour we're gonna do in a big scale which we never did in the summer and then nice. um yeah a big new england we're gonna we're gonna do and then i'm i'm so excited to do a big farmy saison or big something something farmy and really kind of out there because i don't think they've had like this town has had anything like that so right. doing something kind of funky would be really fun to do they'll blow their minds a little bit yeah, yeah. they'll be like what the f-? <laughs> <laughs> i feel like you know entire because obviously i'm here in quebec and the saisons everywhere I feel like it's less common in Ontario, but yeah, from what I've seen from the beer community, they seem a little maybe more excited about it because it's not run of the mill. Yeah, over there. Yeah, is- and and a good saison is like there's like there's a lot of breweries that make a, a good saison, but to yeah. have a great like one that you remember and just like oh that that stands out, it's uh, it's not as common here in Ontario. I don't think I've found a few that I really enjoy, but. Um, I'd love to see what you guys got a bunch up there. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot. It's not like, to be to be fair. It's not really my thing. I'm not not huge yeah. on them. Um, yeah, but yeah. when when you get a good one though, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. like of you know, right. And that's what I mean. Like I, yeah. I always enjoy a saison or any kind of like a grisette, which is like a French play. Yeah. I believe on those. But like like a, any of those are, are they're super nice. But to have a really nice one, like a. a perfect saison yeah there's uh there's only a few out there that i've had and i'd love to nail one my first one i'll be very honest it was a bit of a flop it didn't have the notes i wanted and like i'll be honest if i ever land one people ask what do you think well i'll tell you right away "Mm, yeah it's not where i want it like there's work to be done that's kind of what i do i gotta make sure that it's the beer that i want people to have yeah man that's fair part of that part of the game too right and particularly if it's something that's not like you know obviously you've dialed in these other these other beers way more because you've done them more and you know it's maybe your passion but you're also you know you're a beer drinker like everybody so you're interested in different stuff and i guess it's sort of right so maybe you've really nailed a lot of the lagers and all these other type of crispy kind of style so then i you know same with anything right you do it a bunch of times and you'll just be like all right i want a less phenolic and more funky and whatever whatever um yeah yeah it's gonna be fun to do some funk though for sure yeah yeah it's and it's, yeah, perfect time for summer too. I mean, that's when when people yeah, are more inclined yeah, to be, be doing it. Rolling into summer is gonna be great because yeah, we're just starting to transition. And you said it great. There's a few recipes that like the Peffy and the the Lake Simcoe. I think before we put them in a can, it was like 17 batches of Peffy and like 15 of the lager. Before I was like, this is where it has to be. Before I was happy. There's a few that obviously landed way quicker. Um, like the Stout was like batch four or five. I think our family was like, don't touch this. This is perfect. So our ice hut stout has never changed since like the fourth batch. And it's like our nitro dose now on the, and we've sold, Oh my God. The hell, the, the amount of time we wait for nitro. Oh shit. <laughs> oh, is that cause they have to send like to actually order? We the- do it proper. So we have like the big drop tap and like I've dialed in the nitro and it rolls as exactly like a Guinness. And it took me weeks to do it and a lot of failed, failed attempts at, at pouring a nitro stout because I had no idea what I was doing. So what does that just, mean? Like, put it to the tap and just yeah. kept trying and trying. So what you said, that's a, I didn't know that was a thing. This is fascinating. So then like the nitro has to be dialed in, meaning the amount. Oh, that yeah. Maybe yeah. So like you, like I didn't know this either. I thought like just hook up a fucking nitro tank and pull the tap. You'll be good. But like. Yeah. 
you still got to carb the beer a certain amount and then you got to push the nitro at a certain dose so that it rolls. Like when I first started, it would just be a big glass of foam. And then the second time there wasn't enough nitro. So it was just flat. So finding that like happy medium between both and having it roll from literally the bottom of the glass all the way up and you see the layering, we finally got it. And everybody's just like, we see people stand at the bar and they'll stand there and watch it for a second. It's like, all right, but there's other people that want one. Yeah, <laughs> like move. Okay, that's sick. Um, oh, we're not like that. Yeah, I'm joking. And they just get, the, the old boys are my favorite because they're always like, whoa, I want a Guinness. It's like, well, I got something better. It's not called yeah. Guinness. But <laughs> rolls. <laughs> it tastes nicer. Okay, that's sick, yeah. man. I, I feel there's, there's definitely something to be said about those type of taps. It's super fun. I feel like any... Like they kind of make every beer taste better. Nitrous. It's just, oh, they're yeah. super. Yeah, they're super fun. We're excited to do some like fruited beers on on nitro. I was about to so ask, we're yeah. hoping to do like a key lime like wit on Ooh. nitro. That's the yeah. Way. That's the Weiss creation. She's like, yeah. you need to do a creamy wit. Make it lime. I was like, key lime pie on nitro. Fuck yeah. Like, that'd be crazy. I was gonna. Have you tried any other uh, styles on the nitro tap yet? Oh, not yet, like no, ideas. we just brought okay. the ice up because when we finally got it dialed in, it was just landing about uh, kind of end of January. So, yeah, once we were able to have people in, the nitro was kind of dialed. Oh, of course, and then- yeah, yeah. I kept forgetting that we've all, like, I don't know, man, I guess we've all lost track of what the, what the hell's been happening. So, okay, yeah, things seem to be all back in action at the moment, which is great. Yeah, so, yeah, we're rolling now. Yeah, I love it. I love that. Um, yeah, so... Now it's April 26th is the one year this year. Do you have like, I guess because it's your first anniversary, like have you got, uh, you know, anything you can say at the moment as far as plans for collabs, releases, special drops, anything like that? Um, We're probably, like I'm going to probably hit the, the rig pretty hard for a couple brews, but honestly we've been so swamped getting back into the role and with just two of us in this like big place it's it's a lot like there's a lot to do so we, we joked about it actually like last week we were laughing like we're a month away almost from our one year and we haven't planned a party we don't have really any beers on the go it's like fuck, are we even like celebrating we celebrate a year and one month or what like <laughs> i guess it's a, it is a lot man i feel like uh like does it take it's most of the stuff aside from any crispies are like the two week yeah, it's two weeks. Yeah, to, so to I'm an alehouse. I don't boggers. Yeah, I don't have glycol yet, so I'm just uh, primarily an alehouse. So I'm yeah house fermentation, which it works really well. Like I've I've figured out my timing really well when beer has to leave the fermenter and go into the tank. Uh, it's obviously a little bit harder, but yeah, we're an alehouse, so I can turn batches pretty quick, right? Pretty quickly. So it's not the you know. You and I use a big I use a big greasy starter, so mine goes real fast. They kill it. I mean, what is it now? It's the yeah. They this. I love that. Uh, we're recording this on the 18th. So, I mean, look, you've got, yeah, it's like just over probably like five weeks, five and a bit weeks. Yeah, um, I've, got, I've got plenty. And we'll yeah. probably do small batch on the little rig. So, like, we still use the same rig that we started this company with. Okay. And we make, like, individual, like, small batches like, every other day. We'll do, like, a small batch just for me to learn styles, for my wife. She's learning to brew, to to learn more, and she's really diving into it. So, it's really good for her to be on the little rig to see kind of how things can change and, and learn the way that I learned. And then I'll slowly teach her on the big rig and she'll be brewing by next year. That's awesome. I guess that'll probably yeah, be. Yeah, I'm uh, hoping so. I'm fingers yeah. crossed. She's loving it. It's so fun to see her diving in. She's the seltzer lady right now. She works on all the seltzers. Okay. Um, so she's the flavor queen. <laughs> 
I was about to say, because I, I know you, you shot one of those over, which I thought was really sick. I've never seen a seltzer in a bottle before. So that, that was cool. How, how did yeah. that come about? What's the deal? Just, it just had, we got so many requests and like we thought with the big seltzer boom that happened the year before we opened. Cause like, you know, like when White Claw hit, Canada, everybody went fucking crazy and all the other breweries were like, wait, wait a minute. We can all brew seltzers. Why don't you support us? We'll make seltzers. So a lot of breweries who know how to do it started making really wicked seltzers. So we just decided like we got to do it. We got to have one, see how it goes. We did one and we sold like the keg in like two days in the summer. So we were like, maybe we do another one. So we did that and we were turning little 19 liter corny kegs. We were turning like two of those a weekend just from seltzers, just for people doing coming in the summer and needing something fresh, lemon, lime, grapefruit, berries, whatever. We just did every flavor under the sun and right. people loved it. Couldn't not do it. Okay. And what, what's the, um, I know there's different, uh, what's the word? Like wait methods. Uh, yeah. There's like one way you kind of like you, you can probably explain it better than me. I've forgotten. There's like one where you do something with grain and one where it's like something with alcohol. Like, yeah. So I think I've, I actually, interesting enough, I only learned about the, what I think is like the infusion style where they basically like, they infuse it with like hard alcohol, but there's the other way where you like ferment it and you use like, you use dextrose brewing sugars and then DME or whatever. Yeah. So I ferment it. Like we've, we ferment our product um, we try to make it, yeah, there's, there's certain rules behind fermenting, um, any okay. kind of beverage like that. So we do it. Yeah. We make sure that we're doing it the right way. Um, I think that's a lot of the way we do it. We still flavor with like fresh fruit, um, oh, yeah. as much as we can. So like we, you, there's videos of us like smashing like berries and blueberries, like with a mash oh, paddle in a bucket. We still do it fresh, fresh fruit. Cause we're so small. So it's easy enough for us to get small poundage of certain types of fruits when you start scaling bigger breweries need to have like boxes of liquid purees and all those other things um sometimes even leaning into extracts which is fine um there's great others out there that do that we just for as long as we can manage it we'll use fresh stuff as much as possible that's amazing i I don't know if i've did anyone else do it that way because i don't think i've heard of anyone doing it that way i always thought it was the extracts and you can kind of get those ones where you're like combining the different flavors and shit like i've never seen anyone do it with fresh or, or puree you do it we, yeah so we yeah she like, gets out. uh okay. no, we do no, we do great. all fresh fruit oh, we, like we've it. cheated a few times like so i i do one called kid again makes you feel like a kid again so i do a root beer seltzer i do a cherry coke and i do a vanilla coke Okay. Obviously, there's nothing out there except finding like a little bit of like a natural Coke syrup kind right. of thing. So yeah, like we we cheat every once in a while, but not like anytime it comes to fruit, it's always natural. Always Even the cherries, done. I smashed the cherries up, and those went into the cherry Coke. Right. <laughs> I don't so use cherry extra or anything. That's even cooler. So does that like what's the flavor comparison? Like you know how like I actually quite like you know, I like seltzers. I have enough. I, I think they're mm-hmm. fun. I love that they're like just super crushable when, you know, go to the park, walk through the park and start I'm gesturing because we're next to a park. But um, nice. in summer, you walk, you're walking around. I swear to God, it's like 85% of people are, are, in Montreal, you're allowed, in Quebec, you're allowed to drink alcohol if you have some food. I think maybe Ontario changed that. I'm not sure what the rules are. But in mm-hmm. the park, everyone, like mo- the vast majority of people are drinking seltzers. Like it was cr- last summer, we, we couldn't believe the volume of people. 
So I feel like mm-hmm. I've just seen them around a lot more. And um, I, I've, I don't recall having one, like I said, like that I, I've had small batch ones from different breweries, but no one's ever at least told me that it was with uh, puree or fresh fruit. What are the flavor, mm-hmm. like what are the differences, say, between the most common one would be the extract if you get any Wackler or any you know, Truly or any of those large ones, mm-hmm. obviously they're massive macro scale. So, you know, that's uh, straight extract stuff. But what's the difference? Like, did, Can you tell, like, could you taste a, whatever, a raspberry seltzer, the one with extract and one that you do with real berries that you squished up? And tell the difference. I would so it's it's so tough because like some people are really good at brewing and balancing extract. I've right. you sometimes I don't think you'd ever be able to guess, but hmm. I just knowing it's fresh, it's it's for me. I know right away. I also have like there's a couple fruits that I'm terrified of. I'm scared to shit of cherry and raspberry and beer. I just okay. think they're scary. They remind me of medicine. And this is just me. I just, they remind me immediately of medicine. So cherry extract tastes immediately like cough syrup to me. So cherries, when you smash cherries and you filter out all the skins and it's just cherry juice, it's just cherry juice. So that to me was the the major one. And then raspberries, again, we did raspberries once, the same thing. Just very much, it, it tastes fresher because you know that you might have to obviously use a lot more raspberry than you would to just put in extract but i think the the distance you go away from artificial flavoring to natural flavoring it it speaks volumes to the product too because people just they it tastes fresher and that's what we want to create is Mm. as natural as a fresh product as we can so if we can do that especially again like i said it might change when we get bigger for now we're so small that we're so able to do that that we're kind of we we we're lucky. We're lucky to be able to have the ability to smash enough peaches or something into a thing that I can do a nice peach goza with Ontario peaches during the season. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Nice. Fuck. I mean, you put it like that. That's amazing. I love it, man. Right? Like that's, that's the one I'm like, most excited about. We did the peach goza and they weren't as in season. So this year we're doing it and we're timing it with fresh. Ontario fresh peaches and we're going to do a big old fresh uh, peach goza. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. Sounds delicious. Um, what's the vibe with, um, like, you know, we were talking earlier about the, you know, the, the consumer base and maybe being a little more uh, conservative and, and traditional in the type of stuff that they like. How has the, I mean, obviously they're, uh, you're selling through these bad boys, the seltzers, uh, really quick. Who's buying them? Everybody. So yeah. one of my favorite moments I've ever had at the brewery was my mom and dad were visiting. My mom is a very loud vocal lady when she starts laughing everybody and the third town overhears her and there was these four very burly men who rolled up on bikes tattooed to shit and they were drinking a fucking raspberry hibiscus seltzer and it was pink as shit and they were all four of them and my mom couldn't handle it she was laughing her ass off these guys were just like crushing these raspberry hibiscus seltzers and it was just too funny everybody Everybody will drink them because they're so drinkable. They're just right. fresh when it's 30 degrees out and you're under the patio and the sun's beaming down. Anything with berries or grapefruit or anything with a lot of carb, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's perfect for the, for the season for sure. So we'd be crazy not to do one. We don't lean into them like as our main thing. People right. just know that we have a couple that we nail and that if they bring a friend who doesn't drink beer, which we know there's a lot of that now, we miss out on a big sales opportunity throughout the whole year when all those people who come 
want something that's like wine. We do a blueberry seltzer that tastes like wine. It's pretty wild. So we do, and again, smashed up blueberries. So we, we have something for everybody, even if you don't drink beer, because we, we'd be crazy not to. We've even thought about non-alc, but I mean, not yet. Booze work. Yeah, I I feel that. I've kind of grown into (laughs) non-alcoholics lately. I I enjoy them for the nights off, but I guess there's other, it's, I think it's a bit of an ordeal to figure it out and to do the, the, you know, the arrested fermentation way or the use some sort of yeast that's like special for it. Like I'm still just like, like you said, I like, like we said at the start, I'm I'm very new to this. Like I'm still so much for me to learn. There's styles I haven't even touched and there's like, there's nothing but growth. So that's it. it, Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting that that's kind of where we're headed. (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, I mean, that's another option, but what's going to say about the, the seltzers? Um, I lost it again. I am having brain farts all fucking night, bro. But this is, I, I just think it's really fine. I think it's really, no, that's what it was. Um, I was going to ask about the percentage that you package. So like in the bottle format and then what you keep for kegs. So do you, all of this, like the batches say that we're drinking now, like in this uh, 500 mil bottle, yep. you've got the small system, which you said with that, the 250 liters. Yeah. 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 So no, my, my brewing system, I'm a two barrel I'm about a two barrel brew house and okay. then I brew on a little like 30 liter brew rig that creates one 20 liter keg or 19 gotcha. liter keg. Of beer. So that's okay. called our small batch. Understood. So we okay. do small batch every week. Like I'll do like, like a fucking honestly four or five a week. And they we'll just do like keg. Keg only. Yep. Go ahead. They draft only. No. So this is what we, so what we do is okay. we'll put a new small batch or a new seltzer. So there's a little tiny like kegerator fridge. It's got two taps that stick out from a little piece of wood that I made. And there's either a small batch and a seltzer, two seltzers or two small batch, any kind of combination. We'll pour those from Wednesday to Saturday. And on Sunday morning, I go in real early with Jack's. We'll fresh up the bottles and we'll bottle it off, put two new beers on for Sunday fun day. And then everyone can take the small batch home in bottles. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. So we give everybody a chance to have it on draft because everyone wants to have it on draft and then we'll bottle it up, send it off. Okay. So whatever it could be 10 bottles or it could be 20. Right. Oh, oh like yeah. that small run. Yeah. We always want to keep it fresh. Every week we have a new beer on two taps. No, no matter shit. what. Okay. So it could really yeah. be that few amount because it's literally whatever's left in the can. We sometimes don't bottle it and people are crushed. Okay, because I guess it tapped out. We did so. a small batch recently and it was like a nice hot profile. It was the uh, – wild turkey and there was three bottles and like four people came in like hey where's the wild turkey small batch yeah. it's uh gone yeah, <laughs> like, damn it. so do you bottle the larger stuff as well like the larger batches or is that like a keg thing sometimes depending on the batch like sometimes we'll do special beers we just did a beer with a buddy of ours who i met in the industry called don't fuck with phil we bottled off like three quarters of that because we were it was a fundraiser gotcha. uh, and then we just kept one on tap just so that we We'd have another cherry stout for St. Pat's, have another tap filled. Um, but generally speaking, we usually only bottle anything that's kind of a specialty beer or charity beer. The rest goes right into uh, the taps and the okay. small batch is the only thing we bottle off. Makes sense. Okay, that's pretty cool then. So like you always mm-hmm. have, so when people come in to buy stuff to go, is it? do you have like a fridge full of stuff that's like people can regularly come in and get and obviously it would rotate or is it sort of like just those sunday things primarily 
No, so that's a good question. So what we do is we always have the Lake Simcoe and the Ice Hut Stout in cans. Okay. Um, Because those ones just be based on the volume and how we do them. We've contracted those ones. So those are two cans we'll always have. Once the Ice Hut sells in the winter, it will not be in a can anymore. We only do it for the winter, and I'll kind of explain that when we get into it. Um, And then we also have uh, like kind of a sponsorship beer. We sponsor the local hockey team. So we have a beer called Ice Lagered Ale, which is a basically a play on the Lagered Ale, just a different hop and a little bit of a change up just so that we have a different beer for them. Uh, and then small batch. So yeah, it's usually just like the lager, the stout, and then any of the small batch stuff. The rest is just growler fills. Oh, growler fills as well. Okay, nice. What's the vibes with that? People yeah. still into them pretty heavy? People love it. People yeah. love it. I think people really, at least in this town, I know some breweries hate doing howler fills. Yeah. Trust me, there's a bit of like, I'm jaded a bit too, because like yeah. we have some people who just can't rinse it. So you just get like a fucking vinegar just grenade go. and you got you got to clean it. It's uh, like, what if I just asked you to bring you me a clean thing so I could put it like, right Please, it's not much to ask. But yeah. we do like an exchange program. We do 32 ounces because I think 64 sometimes kind of hurts us. 64 is a commitment. Like you got to open that two jug. Ladies? Yeah, like a big 64 ounce. We don't do those because for me, I've had those before and I know as a consumer, I, that's a lot of beer. So to yeah. be able to have a 32 ounce, which is like we call it the pill or the Boston jug, it's only two beers. Oh, so like someone can have those, close it and still have fresh beer. Mm. Whereas a 64 ounce, day four, they're coming back to me telling me, hey, that IPA didn't taste as good. Blah, blah. Yeah, it was flat. It probably tasted <laughs> oxidized like shit. Yeah. So. We thought that was the play. Smaller jugs, they could pick more off the wall, and then uh, it gives them good selection. Okay, that's cool, man. It's always fascinating to me that I feel like uh, I don't hear about growlers much these days, and and I think (laughs) uh, it's got to be like market specific. Like if your people, yeah, which is cool. I don't know. some places that just couldn't, just it wouldn't work, right? Like we're we luckily we have a lot of taps. And we have a huge, like I'd say 75% of our comeback, like our return customer base is local. So Mm. for them to own a jug, they own, say they own three jugs. They can just come with their rinsed jug, we hope. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We hope. Uh, And then we just pull fresh ones out, give them a a sandy rinse and then uh, fill them fresh right on the tap. I love that. Okay. I mean, look, that's a, I was just sort of curious for people who want to come by and check it out and see what their options are, obviously, and if you're not able, you know, I, I love the, you go to a brewery and you want, you know, you drink a bunch of stuff on tap, you, you know, typically, I don't know, I imagine you do too, we all like to leave with something. And here mm-hmm. in, in Montreal, only up until recently, though, the pandemic, you could go to a brewery and you couldn't take anything out unless they had a specific kind of license. Like if it was a brew pub and they had food, oh. you, you couldn't do it. So you would go to a brewery and then you'd be like, oh, this is great. Where can I get it? My God, I see the store down the road. You can go maybe there. Or, and yeah, that weird. It couldn't, you couldn't do takeout, eh? No. So say like there's a brewery called Judas CL. It's like one of the legendary, you know, being around for 20 years. It's around the corner here. And um, they never sold uh, their products in, in the brew pub. But then there's other breweries that opened up that if they, and I think it's because they have a kitchen. So there's other breweries that have what I don't remember the name of it. It's different to Ontario, but it's the same concept. Where if it's like a if you're in one of those places where you can bring in food, and it's not yeah. So we are that's where you guys are. 
Yeah. So you can bring food into our establishment, but we can't technically like make food. We can handle it. Okay. It's fucking annoying. <laughs> what does that even mean? So I could like serve you up stuff that's like pre-cooked and like packaged, but I couldn't like cook you something cook on you like some. a, a grill or anything. Yeah. Okay. One of those things. Okay. God. Yeah. The rules are so ridiculous when you really think uh, about it. Man, yeah. there's, and they're so different from like region to region, right? Like from like, you guys probably have different rules than we do for sure. Very different. Like we can't do shipping. Yeah, yeah. We can't do like, uh, you can't order beer and get it delivered from anywhere. In really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And don't you guys don't, doesn't Quebec hate like they don't like shrink sleeved cans? Uh, I believe so like, for the most part. Yeah, cans. I think it's the government. They don't yeah. like those. They don't love it, so they use like the print. There's a company here called Heart Print, and they do Heart um, Print. Yeah, yeah, I gotta hit them up, man. I've heard nothing yeah. good things. Yeah, like yeah. they're great. Actually, but we're gonna do a video yeah. with them, like a little short video to talk about like how the how that all works from like the aluminium, how they get it in here. Yeah, and I've, then, I've looked into it because I when I packaged for. The packaging company there. Oh yeah, of course, um, yeah, yeah. We yeah we did we did work with one brewery. I think it was Foundry in Cambridge that had the printed cans, and I was just like, "You're getting multi, like you're getting different cans per layer, but like they're only set, they're not only charging for one. It's just like these guys got it figured out. So yeah, I've been uh, cool. it, that's the game though. Like figuring out how to reduce packaging costs in the brewing industry is probably like one of the number one things on everybody's hit list. Yeah. Like how can we make packaging our beer fucking cheaper? Because it's not, and everyone's had to lean into it. Like during yeah, all this time, to, right? Uh, no I think choice. We're, we're probably at like, we got to be at like 60 plus percent in cans right now in the industry. Like oh, yeah. nobody does bottles. Like we got to be plus 60%. I would say it's higher than that. Even I think bottles yeah, it's got to be right. Like yeah. probably almost seven. Like they, everybody fucking cans everything. I can barely think of anybody because Quebec was way behind Ontario. Ontario was so far ahead of the game with regard to can, moving from bottles to cans. Um, and then you guys bottle a lot still there. There's some places that um, still bottle a lot here, and I kind of find it weird if I'm honest. Like I like. It, it works for some things, but some people just are like holding on for dear life to this shit. Like, I don't understand why. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was just like a consumer preference back in the day. Like when I first moved here, Ontario, I moved to Canada in 2010 and I moved to Quebec, to Toronto, and then I moved here in 2012. So Ontario started when I started, when I first moved here is when I got into beer. And they, it was mostly, except for the European stuff, all the local stuff was, you know, Bose. Wellington, Trafalgar, all that shit was all bottles, all of it. And yeah, when yeah. I moved here, everything was bottles, but I saw I'm going back all the time to Ontario and the I just saw it change a lot quicker into cans and here just sort of hung on for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But it's pretty much all, all, all sort of changed now. And, yeah, there's and you would have been in the West Coast by then. Back then, you would have been – it would have been – West Coast, straight scene. West Coast. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like oh, when Mad Tom came out favorite. in like 2011. <laughs> yeah, man, the shit is killer. It was great. It was a really good time. Oh, uh, I wish like, I would have sent you. So one of my favorites is Revenge of the Pine. I wanted to send you it. It just like wasn't was it ready? Cooked, so I didn't get to send that one out. That one's just like as traditional West Coast, like deep, deep West Coast. Love that's that. like I know you're, right. I know you like those too. So <laughs> oh, I love that shit, man. Like it's I feel like the, yeah. I feel like the industry's like I feel like the drinkers are really getting into it. They really like coming. I've said this to I've said this to my wife for the last year. 
I think the the haze craze, as much as I love it, and I, I loved it, I'm, I'm a little, I think a lot of people are slowly bending. And I think that you've seen this too. I, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I think the industry is an ever-changing like organism where there's always going to be each year kind of a new thing. People are like, they're over this and they're on to that. Yeah. It's sours, then it's hazy. It's hazy, then it's this. I gotta say the West Coast is coming back, baby. It's gotta yeah. be. It's gotta be making it full circle. It's been like ten years. <laughs> it's time. It's time. I definitely look. It's definitely coming back. The popularity of it, because I see, look, Hayes is not going anywhere anytime soon. But there's a bit of a swing back that people are like, palate fatigue. Everything's fucking Hayes. Yeah. So like, I love this shit. So gotta be that. It's such a good term for it. Palate fatigue, man. Mm. I've, I've actually heard that term. That's so good. So it's like if you there's drink- so many big, juicy, like hop explosion beers out there that people are like, and I, I, I re- recently listened to you talk about something that I can appreciate too, is the light lager and the micro lager boom is coming too. I think people are yeah. really liking these tread lightly, these like sub five, 4% lagers. There's a lot to those. And they also show a lot of like, skill in those kind of loggers because there's you're tearing it right down and like you got to make something super clean super drinkable but like super flavorful which is like that's the game that's the, that's the battle right how can't wait to logger yeah man <laughs> can't oh, wait to yeah. once you can do that and like you know start to experiment with it yeah people are i got a it. few good ones i got a, yeah. i got a light logger and i got a pilsner that are crushing for sure they really ready to go oh speaking of that it's about time let's want to rock it wishbone let's do it so tell us about this one. This is a uh, a big collab, uh, a really really great look for uh, for you guys. Talk to me about it. Okay. Yeah, this one's uh, this one's pretty cool and a uh, little near and dear to my heart. I won't get too sappy. Jeff will kill me, but no, I uh, I packaged for Muddy York uh, back when I first started in the industry. He was one of the, I think he was the third brewery I ever did, um, and right away just seeing what they had created and picking Jeff's brain very similar approach to to how I would do things doing it himself and building from basically a, a square box of nothing into a wicked like reputable brewery and uh, he's got quite a few big awards under his belt too so uh, to do a beer with Jeff and the team at Muddy York really meant a lot to me um, it's awesome and then to do something that I can't really do in my brewery a big classic pills was pretty yeah. sweet so yeah we're excited this is uh we drained two 30 liter kegs in three days and then went through like, like seven cases of this at the brewery. So, Oh, I bet. Oh, so you were able to sell it um, at a turkey shoot? Yeah. So we, uh, we, collab- we, we had a couple kegs at the brewery and then, like I said, a few cans and uh, yeah, we tore through those and it was uh, well received. I got the wrong glass. Oh, oh, good. Oh, I got the right glass finally. Here we go. Look at, Look at you. Look at this, mate. Not messing around. Come on. There he is. There he is. Looking gorgeous. That's Kevin. Kevin's the turkey. Yeah, that's our that's our our mascot, Kevin. <laughs> he looks like a Kevin. I was gonna say that could be a good Cheers. episode name. He looks like a Kevin. Cheers, brother. Yeah, get that in you. Smells great. Delightful. So this is um, marketed as a pre-prohibition pilsner at six percent. That is fascinating to me. Um, what's the deal what uh what were you guys going for talk to me 
So it started, yeah, it started as like me just bugging Jeff to no end. Cause like I said, when I started uh, at the game, I brought Jeff my beer during candy runs. So I would hand him like a Kolsch or my stout or something in a bottle and be like, Hey Jeff, try this. Next time I come canning, tell me how shitty it was. <laughs> um, but no, he started, he, he gave me some good feedback, gave me some pointers and kind of pointed me in the right direction. Um, and I bugged him for a while. I said, Hey, when I finally have a brick and mortar, I'm coming back here one day and we're going to, we're going to throw down. And I, I shot him a message after about just, yeah, a few months ago and said, Hey, in the new year, you want to do something? We got together and brewed up this, uh, this pre-pro that was his, his call. We decided after chatting about a few different styles, what would fit best in his repertoire and, and his taps uh, during the time mm-hmm. we landed on the pre-pro and it was uh, from there. I supplied the hops cause I wanted to keep it all Ontario hops. Of course. Uh, he said hundred percent, let's do it. And uh, yeah, we landed on this. So big uh, complex grain bill on a 6%, which you can't really taste that it's 6%, which is scary. No. Um, and then floral front to back with uh, the uh, the noble Mount Hood hops that we used in this from Clear Mount Valley. Mm. I'm really excited about this beer. And what, what what would you, like, how would you describe, like, the pre-prohibition Pilsner? So, obviously, it's like, a, you know, a, a bit of a nod to an, uh, how things were in the 20s, 30s type shit. Yeah, so so Jeff described it as kind of like back in the day. They yeah, they had a bit of a different grain bill. So this uses a six row build instead of like your traditional pills. So it's got like a six lot of row. depth to it. So you're using some six row, and I don't know if Jeff will kill me for telling the secret, but yeah, very light, a uh, little bit of corn, and then yeah, Ontario hops, super nice, crushable six mm. percent pilsner, and uh, yeah, we were both laughing at how clean and crisp it uh, came out and to be six percent and this crushable is uh, a little scary <laughs> a little <Yeah>. scary <laughs> that's uh there's no booze on that at all for for such a light body beer to be six percent it's that's 100%. that's that's an ode to jeff being so good at his craft you know he's uh he's been in the game for a long time and people know him for doing fantastic beers and to be alongside him to do one of these with his great team over there was uh it was a privilege for sure that's awesome man was this your first uh collab or first big collab uh so no the the first collab was actually with uh, market brewing so the first one was oh, again a pilsner yeah uh, again a german style a little german style pills we did with money or, or sorry uh with market um again we used uh my hops again we used mount hood hops on that beer but again quite a different profile uh the beer used i, I don't know the generation on it you'd have to ask the market guys but a very old generation yeast from Old Flame. So it was, yeah, it was four breweries, Old Flame, Market, George on Main, and myself and my wife uh, collaborating on this Pilsner. And they called it, uh, what did they call it? The New Market Pils. Kind of an ode to community development and uh, bringing everybody together in a time when uh, we weren't really allowed to do it, but it was great. (laughs) Hey, man, you got to like, you got to do what you got to do. It's a bit, that's really cool. And it must be an interesting time for you then being that you don't know what life is like operating a brewery in a you know, regular world, I guess. Yeah. So, which is kind of crazy. As a few breweries that I know of that have gone through similar stuff and it, it must be, uh, I don't know. It, it feels kind of 
trippy to me. Like it feels, (laughs) you know, because you don't know what it's like to not have to be like, oh, fuck, now I have to shut down. Oh, now we're open again. Oh, now it's 50%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the roller coaster that has been this opening was wild. Like I said, like just in a nutshell, like we, we launched our first contract beer, first pandemic, second beer a week after. And then we opened our doors a week before the third lockdown. So like we've literally been a lot, we, we joke, we call it, we're a lockdown brewery. Yeah. We like to lock it down. Every time we're going to launch something, we're just going to make sure we're just, everything's locked down and make it as hard as possible. But no, it's, there's other breweries that did it. Like I know that you, uh, you've chatted lots with Bebo and the boys over at uh, the folks over at third moon. And funny enough, they were one of the last few breweries I uh, packaged before I ventured off and started doing my own thing. Oh, yeah. um, so again, yeah. they were they were a pandemic brewery. And there's a list of other breweries that you've mentioned in other podcasts that all probably felt how fucking hard this was. Not only just opening a brick and mortar, because that in itself is its own endeavor. But then you've got to kind of dance through, jump mm. through all the the municipal hoops, the COVID hoops the just the patron hoops too just telling people like no you can't do that again no please wear that again please sanitize like we don't want to dictate how people enjoy our brewery but we're bound sometimes by the rules and regulations obviously like we have to be yeah it's not fair man and i feel like i got an extra respect for you guys uh when i say you guys the 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 breweries who open during all of this because Man, it's like you, exactly like you said, you nailed it. Like it's hard as hell doing this and it's, you know, capital heavy and all this stuff. And then on top of that, you have to deal with this and constantly changing rules and then managing people. And, and hopefully they don't get mad at you for just doing what the government is telling you to do. And if you don't do it, you get it fined and get in trouble. It's a, uh, it's a really crazy time, man. So I'm, I'm really happy for you guys that you're able to, you know, keep it going, push through, get the support of the locals. Like what, what did get you through it? Being that you know now you're coming up on a year. Obviously, um, you have the contract. Oh, and you have the honestly, I'm gonna laugh. But honestly, my my future soon to be wife in July. She's the yeah. She keeps it all together because there were a few times where I for sure could have gone off the rails. And this was at first. I like this was kind of the the, the idea I pushed on to her. So I think just knowing that we had we have the potential to build something so unique and so special that if we can grind this out and get through it, then like, fuck, we, we obviously can get through when the world starts to turn again, you know, full access. Like if we can grind through this opening and get like launch after launch through a pandemic and like handing beer out the door, like we can, we can survive. So we right. know that we've, and, and we've seen it. We've, we've seen it just from the response from our patrons that come back week after week, the people who are there helping her close down the place tonight, like, that's what we wanted to create. We knew at some point normalcy would come. So as long as we keep focus and keep the pedal on the floor toward what we want to build, then we know that we can build it based on the fact that people will keep coming back as long as we have a good product, a good vibe, and good atmosphere. And that's mm-hmm. what we've tried to create. Mm-hmm. And we've done that. So I think that's why we've, we've thrived during a pandemic, which I'm, I'm sure a lot of places – sadly can't say and i hope that the places who can't say that bounce back because this has been a fucking hard time yeah man well said yeah it's um it's crazy and it's it's it is extra cool i guess as well that i imagine aside from the constant grinding from from your side that you would have had a pretty strong support 
from your community like they would have you know, really shown out. Because I feel like one thing that I noticed from all of these, you know, last two years of pods, um, breweries are just giving up everything. They said, it's, you know, the community came through, man. They just, they really, they rocked it. They they supported, they, if they couldn't, um, can't, obviously can't come in there and, and get pints. And they're like, you know, give me all of the, the bottles and cans I can take type of thing. Like, yeah, I imagine it would have been the same for you guys at your- You're totally right. And you hit a nail, like nail on the head. Cause there were some people that, and we would never ever, that we're not the people to discriminate. We never wanted to have to ask for people's information. That never should have been something we should have had to ask. The so contact, for some people yeah. who give that to us or couldn't give that to us for them to come in and still fill a bag with six bottles and a few cans or whatever, and then come back when they feel comfortable to come back to still support us through the door. It's, it's, the lights are still on there because of those kind of people, you know, like we wouldn't, wouldn't have music playing in the background. It wouldn't have lights on. It wouldn't be continuing to brew if we didn't have people who came, even when the doors were shut, the doors were fucking locked. Like you can only pick beer up these days and I'm handing it out the door. We've had those people that started buying beer just through the internet and through like the Shopify who are, like I said to you before, like there's a few of them that, are literally coming to our wedding because they're such phenomenal people that they touched us in a way that we will never forget them. We'll always be friends with them. They come on a weekly basis and they're not just coming to support us. They're coming to hang out with us and they're coming to spend time with us, which is that alone is uplifting. Cause like we've created friendships and developed this like whole vibe that like, that's all we wanted. And now we're starting to see it kind of come full circle now that the pandemic is I don't want to say it's over. It's not going to be over for a long time, but yeah, we can, we can all just be happy that it's slowly, slowly turning toward the positive. Yeah. No, I feel, I feel the same, man. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to put my money on anything just yet. As far no, as that, no, you can't now. You can't. It's, no, it's unpredictable with uh, whatever. I mean, that going to, into it. yeah, everything's kind of wild. And the, the response to it, I've, everyone that I've spoken to, everyone kind of feels is like ready to, not have to have all these. I think two years is a long time for everyone's lives to be constantly. It, it is, and like that, and it's a tough spot for us too because we totally understand. Like as business owners, especially, we've had to deal with telling people to do these things we shouldn't have had to do. Yes, but now everyone's so ready to go back to like normal. Yeah, that it's tough because like, especially with me and my wife being the only ones who operate the business, we still have to remain safe and healthy because if we get sick, the business it's closes, gone. and that's the only. Thing. And we have, so we're, we're finding that people are very responsive here to us asking them to do certain things. Um, obviously on Monday, it'll be a little bit of a different story. We're just, all we can do is roll with the punches, try not to limit people to what they feel like. We're going to let people do what they want to feel comfortable doing. We're not going to just lift it completely. We'll wear our masks, but it's like you said, we don't want to dive too much into it because we fucking live it every day, but yeah, it's, it's a tough spot for us, especially with the masks. But we've been lucky that this is kind of like a hometown feel where right. like everybody knows their neighbor. So when you ask somebody something and just say like, I'd be more comfortable if you did this and you're at my business, a lot of them are just like, no, absolutely. Like, no, right. you guys are doing like don't worry about it that make that doesn't hurt us we've been doing it for so long but there's the odd egg you know it's the odd asshole yeah you know people people get passionate about this stuff and it's uh yeah it's just such an interesting thing it does suck and like you're right i never heard someone say it like that that it was uh a lot of there was things that you shouldn't have had to do you shouldn't have had to like you're essentially 
you know, obviously we're all, any business is a government agent by already collecting tax. And now mm-hmm. you've got to do all of these other tasks to make, to, to, okay, when people come, you have to check this, you have to check this, you have to do this. And all these different things is just, yeah, there was, there were just a, a lot of extra pressures. Yeah. The whirlwind. And it wasn't that we didn't want people to be safe. Like we wanted to like follow the rules and we did like, we, we do everything we did to try to get everyone back to what we thought was normalcy. So it is as a business owner, it was such a tough thing to navigate because like there's so many ranges of personalities to please and we're the type of people we are we we're just happy go lucky like chill let's fucking have a beer and every like we want community tables and all that back you know like that's kind of people we are but we still want people to feel safe at our business so it's it's tough i think tough line you are that's that's really it right this, as these change i imagine the monday thing I, I keep forgetting what's up but i think that's the mask mandates are removed is that what yeah you're the masks are lifted on monday for on monday, monday. Yeah. so then there's going to i've in seen pardon in certain settings so i think health settings okay. are different but in like restaurant settings yeah people can be just kind of renegade yeah just go for it gotcha yeah yeah it's going to be there's going to be different levels and that's the thing because of like it's where it gets complicated. There's different individual comfort levels and there's the business comfort level, what they, they want to do. And it's kind of like easing things back into it. like. And that's the dance, yeah. The normal thing. And like I feel like I guess lifting it gives people the flexibility to be like, well, I want to still rock mine. So I'm going to do that and it's all good. And if other people don't, I guess mm-hmm. it is what it is. It just lets people be a little more comfortable. I guess that would, and that's probably step one towards it. And hopefully it doesn't, uh, have any negative ramifications, but um, yeah, man, I feel you. As I just feel like you just had so much shit to deal with over not even a year open, and there's just yeah. all these extra yeah. things. It's just it's so wild. It's, so it's just it, the thing. It just adds a whole new element, right? Like you never in your in your fucking life put COVID in the business plan. Like you don't like you build a big business plan. Like you build a model and you build projections, and that's not in there. You know, no. like that's that's not in there. So. Now you're new to opening a business. You're new to the brewing industry entirely. And now you've got to dance through all the, the government and all the hoops and try to make everybody happy. So it's, it's tough, but we're so, again, I think we're super fortunate that it is very, very tight knit community here because nobody here has, we've only had a couple bad eggs to be honest. And like, that's, that's a lot to say for the last two like year that we've been open to only have a couple times where I'm just like, Get out of here. <laughs> That's actually not too bad. That's not too bad at all. It could be a no, lot worse. No, all, you like, know, all things considered. They're never that bad. It's just, it's just weird I know what you mean. all the time. So I think it's just like we're a bit jaded because we, again, like you say wear a mask and all of a sudden you get a lecture on mask protocol and how they're safe yeah. and not safe. It's like, I've yeah. heard it, man. It's I know, just, I get it. It's like just time and place. Like it's sometimes like, cool, if you, if you, have feelings about stuff i get it but it's more like and so i don't know you know they're the rules in that place so what what you're gonna yell at somebody is gonna change it yeah that's, that's the thing i don't get like even if that that you say so perfectly it. it's such a tough thing too and like it's great when you have people who can be there and say what you want to say for you because we're again like i said it's so close-knit that like if you catch someone at the bar they're not wearing their mask and they're being a bit of a dick other people will say something, you know, like other people at the brewery know us enough to speak for us, which is like so nice. Cause like they know that I don't want to 
they know what I'll say. <laughs> well, and you don't want to have to say anything. And it's like, I don't want to have to say something. Like, I don't want to have to have that argument. It shouldn't yeah. happen now. We've all been through it and we're all, so everyone just who's coming to the breweries. Yeah. Like, we've been through it so long. It just, it sometimes just blows me away that people are still fighting that little, that little thing. And mm. we're so close mm. to being done it. So, yeah, we're so close now. Like, look, I get it. I've, I've always been like, oh, no problem with it lately. I'm, I'm, over it i'm fucking done with wearing them but you know what i, I don't it. do what i don't do is not do it so if yeah. i'm going to the supermarket what am i going to do yell at the person and who's stuck in yeah. the apples and just be like no i'm not wearing it. like just shut the fuck up deal with it while i'm in there and then you leave and then it's all good yeah. so that's what you do no, but it's gonna be nice it's gonna be nice to be over it so that we yeah. don't even have to have this conversation you know and like so i know bad. i don't want to <laughs> So like I know, I I know we don't want to derail. So no, let's no, no. jump off, go back. Yeah, please. But no, it, back it is. It's it, it's hard to not talk about it though. Like when a business, like the last two years of a business has been built around a fucking pandemic. It's and it's that's why so I want to bring hard. it up. Yeah, we're so close to being done. It so like we're just, let's nothing just but keep it going. Big thumbs, yeah. faces, man. We're over it. <laughs> Positivity. No, yes, I absolutely wasn't. Yeah, you dude. didn't want to dwell on it. It was just I feel like it's a pretty important part of your story, being that like no, hundred you know, percent, no. And good. I like um, it, it's always a question that comes up. People are like, how's it been? Mm. We get that daily. Like, how's the last? Especially people who haven't been there in a while. Like, how you guys been doing? It's like, we're it's doing tough, good, right? but like, we can't wait to have patios, no mask, and like fucking dancing. Like, I don't yeah, want people man. to be dancing. Like, I'm a musician myself through and through. My wife and I met in music. So, like, we are musicians. We've had music the last three nights at our brewery, and it feels real. Like, it feels like right. that's what we should be doing, you know? Like, this mm. is, we built this and invested all this money into something and put our blood, sweat, and tears into this so that we could build an atmosphere of community around something. And now we're almost there. Yeah, almost back almost to what there. we wanted. <laughs> We're basically there. So let's let's pivot a bit. One thing I wanted to yeah. ask you as well, like obviously you've got uh, you know, the situation with the canning and the contracting, so you can get all the, the, the brand awareness in the LCBO, which I think is fantastic. You got your sm super small batch that you can, you know, uh, rotate every week and always have something fun and new and different and weird <laughs> and test shit out. And if it works, cool. And if it doesn't, well, there's only thirty liters of it. Next one. Um, and you got your two fifty, you know, your two barrel system. So where, like, have you got plans to expand or anything yet, or is it still a little early days? Being that you know we're coming up on the year, like, have you got mm -hmm. any sort of plans maybe for the remainder of twenty twenty two to sort of try and do something else? If, like we're talking about the glycol. If I could convince Jacqueline to let me put a, a sledgehammer through the back wall, it'd be done tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> We, so we are fortunate that the building that we rent has a warehouse attached to the back of it with a big bay door, just the extra two feet of ceiling. We just couldn't afford both. So we had to take the front space, which was like storefront with like the big glass windows and make it all work there. So we have done that, but now we're only 30 capacity and we've been maxing that out like every day. Right. So we've... We've been looking at it. It's just tough. Like we just finished building a brewery. So to think about knocking a 
Freaking wall down and opening another brewery is like, no, man. <laughs> not not yet. yet. So that would be, it would just be expanding production at the back, essentially. It would, honestly, it'd be, it'd be just ripping the demising wall down. I think it's a three pillar. Um, I think there's three pillars that have to remain, but it's all like it's demising. So we'd knock it down. We'd push all of the steel to the back space, 1800 square feet in the back. We're 1800 square feet currently. So we're very tiny, like. I don't think we mentioned that, but yeah, we're only 1800 square feet. So I right. brew in about 400 square feet and the rest of it is the tap room exactly. and our giant bathroom, which I'm sure some people who get that joke who had to put in this stupid giant <laughs> handicap bathroom, which we obviously want everyone to be accessible, but boy, is it a big bathroom. <laughs> and I guess it would feel that way in a small space and these bathrooms. Well, breweries we have with the luxury we don't have is space. We don't. Right. If you can go up, you're living the dream, but like floor space is a nightmare in mm. most breweries. And that was, again, one of the fortunate things I got to see when I was at a, a bunch of different breweries. What did you do to put your brew house in? Where are your tanks? Where's your drainage? What mistakes did you make? <laughs> and we made, we made the same mistakes that a lot of breweries made. We didn't do floor drains. It's like right. We didn't do trench drains. And now I, I'm a squeegee master. <laughs> Even with a squeegee, man. I love we it. Got, well, yeah, we got we got flat floors, but like only one good drain. So right, you got to send the water one direction. Yeah. Okay. So, so think, no, we're dreaming of sure. I think every brewery does. I think yeah. every brewery when they start, they think, oh, this is great. And then like a year in, they're like, oh, man, we're shouldering each other. Every time we move, I'm running right. into fermenters when I turn around. So, so no, so, that would be the dream. I would yeah. love to kick the wall down and push all the – the production to the back start a big tap room double our capacity go to 60 people little wraparound patio we got a taco guy that comes every summer he's uh we want to make him a permanent fixture so there's big plans just it's a matter of do we have the legs to do it uh do people and will people invest in our brand enough to justify the expansion um, I think those are all questions that come to the table when any brewery is making that step. Yeah. Um, but I think right away, we knew this space was kind of something we would need. So it's just a matter of playing the cards right. We don't want to, obviously, you know, we move very quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if, if year two is expansion, then fucking year two is expansion. I kind of wouldn't be surprised at this rate, you know. Have you um have you thought of old like say uh, you know obviously you've you figured out some great ways to do your lagers and, and the things that you maybe not able to do uh, in house such as the uh, the stout for the canning the like Simcoe you got this great collab that's in the can as well um will you try would you do more like like do you have any plans for other like say contracting some more other flagships or other getting um, new brands in LCBO and, and so far so we're we're definitely going to push the ice hut uh which we'll we'll get into last i think we're yeah. going to do that one last uh the yeah, ice hut the second, is too. like it's our it's our flag uh it's our flag winter beer so we like i'll explain it after but that one we'll push to the lc next year i think because we had such a good response like we okay. tore through cases of this and we we really didn't like we had a good response from the product in the summer and i do two versions we always joke i do a summer version of the ice hut and then ice hut in the winter, we put a coat on it. So we make it big, six percent. We add a little bit of oats, kind of bulk it up a bit. Okay. And uh, the summer version is like a four percent torn down, like it's the thinnest stout you've ever had. Yeah, that's it. Let's yeah, do it. it's time. 
I love it. I know we're pushing through these tonight quick, but uh, we got to let people know. Okay, that's really smart, man. Like doing the uh, like a lighter version of uh, of this in the summer, and obviously, yeah, this is that big six percenter. And what do you just? Is yeah, it just like a big boy. Yeah, this is the this is it's got a coat on, a little parka. <laughs> I cut my so nails the fun the fun thing about this is if you look at the can art, there's a 482, which is the number of our building, or 482 the Queensway. Okay. And the little cut and uh, sled that's on there are actually the winner of our first annual Ice Hut photo contest. No shit. Which we're just finishing up now. Okay. And uh, we're just going to dive into year two of our Ice Hut photo contest. And what's that about? So, Lake Simcoe's known uh, primarily for its ice fishing. Okay. No shit. <laughs> so, what we did is we took, uh, we basically said, give us your best ice hut photo and we'll put it on the can. So, that ice hut that's on the can uh-huh. is Someone's- actually the winner of our first annual ice hut photo. They submitted a beautiful photo and uh, they were the winner. Now, we've got probably almost 30 entries this year. And uh, what we'll do is awesome. we'll pick our top three. Put it on Facebook. People will vote, and that will be the can art for next year's Ice Hut. We'll do it every year. That's cool. And I guess I'm gonna like uh, you just get like an artist to um, to draw it in there. Yes. Yeah, again, we always use local. We'll never use like we'll always use a local artist. So yeah, we had a local uh, digital art guy do up the label. Uh, he just kind of did his own flash take on the the photo and embedded it into the image. So yeah, I fucking that's love our it. Ice Hut. All right. Well. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Solid. I had to laugh at one of your last podcasts I listened to. Your put it in you joke. Oh, the, the put it in you? Holy yeah. cow, that was funny. Man. I had a good laugh. Yeah, it is aggressive. Putting it in you is just not the same vibe, it's, man. It's, it's, it it's, in you is way cleaner. Much simpler. We do not say put it in you. It was uh, his, uh, Simon, the marketing chick. Yeah, it was, she said it. She said it to them, I think, because she knew that I said it or whatever, and she just, you know, they're French here, so she just misinterpreted it. And, you know, obviously it's pretty funny when there's someone, you know, speaking a second language and and does it. And I think either, I don't think I heard her say it. I think he told me that she said it, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. So she did get caught red-handed. I think to him, because he knew what it was. He's from Burlington, uh, Ontario. So then, you know, he lives out here, and so he speaks French and everything. But, like, yeah, there was... Now put it in you is just the funniest thing because oh, it's not I a thing. A, I was actually listening to that podcast today on the way home because I had to drive to Sea Whistle and then it was oh, yeah, like course, nine yeah. hours out Ugh. of fucking Toronto. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Just getting off the DVP was 25 minutes. Really? <laughs> what a night. Jesus yeah, I don't miss that place. I love being uh, in the country. Yeah, man. Like I love uh, – I do love Toronto as well. We always drive when we're there. We stay with my girlfriend's mom out there and stuff. And it's like, <coughs> it's not too bad, but I think because we're not doing like a commute or we tra- we can time what we're doing. Yeah. But yeah, the, the traffic is insane. And it's, it was I always forget how yeah. big it is. It's just so fucking wide. Yeah. Like, well, that's kind of what I so, laughed about. Like, And I I drove in and as I was driving in after the flat tire, which was obviously a nightmare. Oh, so like gosh. I'm already pulled in there like, let's get this day over with. But then just getting to the downtown core and when you're near, near the CN Tower and Steam oh, Whistle, yeah. it's a zoo. It no, is such a zoo. I did a full lap of that place before I realized that uh, Steam Whistle's little like loading dock was some like gravel. The little road, road in the back there? 
Holy, yeah, it took me a while to get in there. And that's annoying to do the the lap around there because you've kind of got like it, it comes back up to Lakeshore. Yeah, because you can either go on Gardner it's or so you can go around Lakeshore. And then you get, you'd have to come back around what's that, whatever that street is that's by the aquarium and, and the stadium yeah. and shit. It's yeah, just, I did that. And you're going one kilometer because everybody's just – there's no – no one looks at any crosswalk. It's just free more. Just everybody just walking across the street. Oh, yeah. Then you're just like, yeah, you can't do anything. It's so crazy. Yeah, man. It's uh, Yeah, it was, a, it was a long day. But, hey, this is a perfect end. <laughs> right? This is, this is a great way to wrap it up. So what do you this, think of the stout? Yes. Exactly right. So tell us. So I know we spoke about it a little bit. So this is the. It's a little more of a ramped up body. So it's six percent. It's nice and creamy. Mm-hmm. Um, a great looking head. Really nice. Uh, what's the nose I'm getting there? I mean, mine's really cold though. I feel like it's like warming up a bit. It's getting like the um, kind of like super. Mine's been sitting out, so I'm 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 full stout mode. Ooh. Yeah, so you get like a little, I would say like mainly on the nose, you get a little bit of the chocolate, not as much of like that, like dark roasty as you'd get on most stouts. Maybe that's what I don't hit this with a ton of roasted malt. Okay. Just because I didn't want it to dry out. So I think this one kind of sits as a hybrid, like a lot of my beers. So I built it like a dry Irish red or sorry, a dry Irish stout. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I hit it with a ton of oats. So Mm -hmm. I soften the shit out of it with oats, bulk up the body and then low carb. I hate carbing stouts high. I try as best as I can with my mouthfeel carbonation technique. <laughs> to, I don't have anything like to test. So I just do it on mouthfeel. And primarily stouts always should drink a little less carbonated. I think a really sharp carb stout is weird. So Yeah, I agree. I my best to carb to style. Carb to style. That was perfect, man. This is really good. I, I feel I'm getting a bunch of coffee in this. Um, yeah, definitely coffee notes. Yeah, dark, yeah. like kind of dark baker's chocolate. Yeah, and a uh, little yeah. little bit of roast, but not like so heavy into the roast that you're drinking a coffee. Yeah, exactly. Uh, nice little mild bitterness in here, super crushable. Six percent mm-hmm. is like a money zone, so it's like yeah, a little a yeah. little more ramped not up than like too the heavy. Stuff. Yeah, and the thing is too is like it's nice that you notice the bitterness because we do try. Like I always say, we use Willamette on this one uh, from VQ. Uh, so again, another Ontario grower and we, I think this one sits like 35 IBU. Like I, I put enough hops in it that you can at oh, least yeah. try to pick it up when you really roll it. Oh, but for sure. Go. You can, you can get it for sure. And once again, this is like my shit is like much too cold. I should have taken it out a little beforehand, but it'll, it'll warm up nicely into it. And I'm still picking up the bitterness at this coldness, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like that dark chocolate, subtle dark chocolate bitterness or kind of like a light espresso kind of business that sits perfect like this this i love these six like i think six percent five to six is like the, such a great i find myself wanting stouts like this all the time like when i'm like mm-hmm. you know, having a session i like to kind of either finish on on this like this abv stat i feel like i don't have enough of them i feel like i'm always like oh fuck i don't know anything like that um it's you know funny because I mean? when i i pitched this beer to Toronto Brewing, who obviously like was a big influence on my business starting, because when I lived in Etobicoke, I was twelve minutes from their uh, chess location. I remember exactly right. Another second location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the where the fuck was I going with that? Uh, we we're talking about the when you pitched this beer to uh, to Toronto Brewing. Oh, so oddly enough, when I pitched the beer recently, I said, "Hey, do you guys want to bring in our stout?" Because they got a bottle shop. 
I saw that. Yeah, he, yeah. The first thing he said was, well, we don't have a single adjunct free 6% stout. And I was like, buddy, I got you. Yeah. I was like, it's adjunct free 6%. It's not heavy. It's nice and balanced. It's a little dry, a little creamy. This and is, they, yeah, they, they tore the case. It looked like, so it was good. I love and, it. Uh, again, cool to see my beer at a place that was pivotal to the launching of this business. I went mm. there and picked the brains of all of those people that were at the shop. Again, I'm sure to the, there was a lady there. I forget her name and I, I hate that I do, but she was there at least four or five times when I started brewing and I sat there for like a half an hour, like, but what would I do with this? But I, should I use this grain? And she's like, can you leave the shop, man? <laughs> There's other people to serve. No, but the, the crew at cool. Toronto Brewing is so amazing. Yeah, and man. like, yeah, they're, it's, a testament to what they've done now that they have a second location because they've done nothing but good things for the industry. So I'm, I'm super excited that I could, uh, I still can now give my beer to a place that it, it definitely like helped you get in the game. Yeah. Yeah, it did. They, they were great. The supplies were amazing. The, the help was phenomenal. And, uh, his outreach to the industry now is even further than it was before. So I got to catch back up. I used to know him back in the day, uh, yeah, first. I've only met Zach a couple Zach. times, but yeah. the, the whole crew there has got cool, another right? guy uh, joined in. They're all of them are just great people. Again, the industry's tough Good to time. find not like-minded people. So everyone's uh, cool, pretty. Bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like hearing. That's really interesting. You say that though that he didn't have a like a six percent stout because I just find they're just not. I'm finding myself craving them and just them not really existing. So I think you're really feeling like a. <laughs> Junk City right now. I think that's the big thing. And we, we we have one too. So we have the Midnight Espresso, which is like our coffee-infused stout. We've got the Don't Fuck With Phil, which was our like newest fundraiser beer. Uh, it's a cherry-infused stout. Love it. <clears throat> so I think that's kind of where everybody's leaning to um, is the the pastries. And like I know, like, like again, I mentioned them earlier, like Third Moon and a bunch of – there's a ton of other breweries that do all these pastry-style – like let's get sweets on it. Let's get like some some notes that are like hazelnut, you know, like something yeah. that's very very distinct. And I think there's something in that because there's some phenomenal beers out there that have like grabbed. I, one that I wanted to try was I forget who did it, but they did like a tiramisu. Oh, and that my was wife Bellwoods. Me forever, Bellwoods was it? Tira- it was well, Bellwoods and my wife has been bugging me to do a tiramisu forever, and I was like, I just don't know the flavor that well. I don't know. Yeah where to go with that but like i think there's something in those styles it's just something i haven't really scratched like huge into yet so it, it i'll get into them but i'll never be a guy to put donuts in my beer i just i that's not yeah. something i don't think i don't know that. if it adds much maybe i'm again cheers to everybody who's put all that stuff in their beer it is no disrespect to anybody doing that i just don't know if that's something that i would do i just i don't know if i need to do that as my scale i can do clean beers and fun beers too and pastry beers but Maybe not add Oreos. Yeah, you don't have to do, you know. I think there's a lot of people doing that. You don't have to do it that way. I, I, I feel like there's something to really be said about the clean ones. The, the pastries are amazing, particularly, you know, but they're... Oh, I love them. No, and there's absolutely wicked. no disrespect. I love no, no, some no, of these beers. No, no, no. Do that. I'll guilty pleasure the fuck out of some, oh, yeah. some guilty <laughs> hazelnut stouts, man. I feel like don't you get can, me wrong. like, baby pastries. <laughs> I, I just one... don't know how far I'd go just because I can't that, Yeah. Big infusion for me, and I love coffee. So, like after coffee, I I've done other ones. Like my my winter beers, I did like a, a, a lactose 
chocolate stout. I did like a kind of a cherry. Like I, like I said, I've done adjunct stouts, but I think there is something like we said, like there's something to just an OG 6% mm-hmm. Irish dry or like a Money. big Baltic, you know, like even a porter, yeah, even any, porter. not even just yeah. stouts, but like a big Baltic porter, just a big robust stout. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's as many of those now no. as there used to be maybe, but I think everybody's leaning into the adjunct stouts, which is sweet. There's a lot of, a lot of creativity he had there. Yeah. Mm. No, you're right. I think there's, do you know what I reckon? The, the swing back to lagers being popular and more interesting. Yeah. Like even for me, I, I'm big on haze and, and smoothies and pastries yep. and all that shit. But if I had to choose any beer, I'd be like, Give me a lager. Give me pills. That's why I was really happy we're doing a couple of those tonight because that's just that's yeah, what so I would prefer. I, th- I think there's – so this is my call. Quote me on it oh, now. I go. think the big change is coming. I think there's going to be something to dry hopped lagers and lagerdales. Yes. Definitely- I think there's so much going on in the lager world right now with everyone trying to do these light, new, fresh lagers. I think people are going to start dry hopping stuff with some nice, soft, maybe nobles, maybe not nobles, maybe some fruited ones, but doing, and I've seen it more and more and more is that these people are, some, some breweries are doing these like kind of dry hopped Kolsch's or dry hopped Pilsner's, which I think is pretty cool because you've got a nice, crisp, clean body which caters to a like lending a lot of, I guess, stage to the hops because yes. there's nothing for them to hide behind. So like you've got the opportunity to showcase some of these soft, really melony, really berry forward hops that I think that's the next push. And I'm leaning on one I got. I got one in my pocket. I'm you gotta do that. Oh man, I love. We just did a just dropped a collab last week. I did a dry hop. I just pills, saw yeah yeah the dry hop pills now with Moteca. How is that? Fucking amazing. Like and Pretty for the crushed? exact reason. <laughs> That hey, pretty crusher. Yeah. Oh, dude, heavy. And it was for the exact reason you said. And it was because it's a light body that's the canvas for a hop. <laughs> and this is a new world hop, new New Zealand hop, super bright and tropical and fruity. And it works. Which, which hop did you use? Moteca. Moteca. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked them for a. I said I want it to be like a Pilsner or a Kel, like real Czech, authentic type of thing. Mm-hmm. And he made it four point five percent. I don't recall when the grain bill, obviously it's a little outside of my uh, expertise, so I kind of let them take care of that. But I was like, all right, let's, let's rock the Motec in it. Um, it came out really, really, I, I, I like no bias because it was my one, but I think it's the best one in the pack because it's a four pack with all different. Yeah. yeah. And it was, cause it was, I think it just, it was just on the money for the exact thing no, you said. Yeah. No, but well, bias, but no bias. It's just, you know, you, but you're right. You're so right. Like, I feel like, I, I feel like I'm not seeing, cause you say dry hop pill, like dry hop lagers and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I see a lot of them. But then as you were talking, I was like, ah, oh, maybe you're right. Maybe they aren't as many. Cause I, I couldn't even I think, think like, there's something coming. I think there's something coming. I think the haze craze is going to slowly pale, like pale out. And I think there's something to a nice clean finish lager or a lagered ale, or even just a light, light, light pale. But like really hop forward with a lighter hop. I think people are going to soften everything. Everything's like hop, 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 hop. Let's fucking saturate everything. No, and there's there's some amazing beers. I just think, like you said, palate fatigue was such a perfect word. Yeah. This industry is so developing and everybody wants to try new shit. So I think there's something in 
the fact that there's so many beautiful soft hops that only get used as like just an underlining factor of a lager. But why not bring them forward as like something that could be the flavor forward portion of a body of beer that's so light and usually typically like kind of like kind of bland. Like there's some lagers, maybe I'm just speaking on my own bias, but there's some lagers that are just like, they're just lagers. There's, there's, you don't remember them. You, You drink them, you love them. They're great to drink. They're fucking crushable. But like, you want something that you can like be like, oh, remember the hop profile on that like Kolsch? And it's like, wait, you had a hot profile on a Kolsch? <laughs> and it's, it's, I think yeah. there's something to that. I think there's like, I think that's the next move. I think the light lager thing is already taking a big foothold in the industry. Yes. So to like create something flavorful and light is going to be, it's going to be fun to see. Yeah. I think you're on the money with that for sure. Um, I would, I, I don't, once again, I don't know if I've seen a dry hop light light, like a four, you know, 3.54% type of thing. Um, I do one. You do one. I do a Lurkey's light lager. It's a Mexican style lager. It's like okay. based with, and I hit it with heritage hops from Tavistock and I like nuke it like late end. And then I dry hop a little bit too, just to get, we're going to start dry hopping it more because we want to start pushing that envelope. Mm. But yeah, we do like a Lurkey's light lager and it's got a big hop profile on it, which is like fun for like a 4% Mexican style corn yeah. base, like almost like say, female, yeah. I guess, but I still use a lager ale. So it is a lager. And we have our little mini fridge that I just freed up so I can start doing my mini 19 liter batches of lager so I can start getting ready for glycol. We're aiming for glycol by the end of summer. Oh, yeah. Oh, look. Okay, yeah, so end of summer. Yeah, okay. Yeah, by the end of summer, I'm hoping to, to really make some moves in the, in the tech that we have to start pushing the recipes. Okay. So that's that's gonna. We have like I know how to do lagers and I know how to brew those beers, but it's just it comes down to like temperature control and just the controls on everything, right? The more control you have, the more like the product will benefit from that. So um, when I can finally get glycol and do these lagers and pilsners, I've got two for sure that we've like already done a few times that got scooped out of the fridge like crazy, and then there's one other one that we'd be kind of leaning on like a little bit of a munich kind of dunkel that we have the ball it's sorry it's a bock but like a darker one it's a bockle ganger we call it <laughs> nice <laughs> good name okay sick man that's exciting because i guess you know obviously this is uh this is your passion the 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 lagers the crispies so to be able to you know have mm-hmm. a bit more freedom to do more of those would be uh pretty exciting for you uh, so that's great mm-hmm. for you man love it i'm excited for that so then to, to, to bring her home, like what's uh, what's up next for you guys? What else should people be looking forward to? Obviously, we talked a bit about, you know, the summer stuff happening, um, you know, mm-hmm. world somewhat getting back to, to, to normal. But, yeah, as far as there anything else that you can talk about, have you got any, like, collabs coming up that you can talk about or any sort of, We've got you know, a few things coming up. We've, like, definitely transitioning into the patio season is a big one for us because we've got – uh, our taco guy i was gonna rock his hat but i couldn't <laughs> find his hat our buddy coco's tacos is uh he's a pivotal role in the summer he's a friend of ours he messaged us last summer said hey man i make tacos i was like okay we'll bring me some tacos and we'll see how you do and he brought me like the most ridiculous spread of food i've ever had and i was like buddy if you bring that here you're here forever so like please so yeah he's coming back everybody thought he was gone because he was chasing an adventure in the states that kind of fizzled bittersweet for him and us, but uh, we're having him back. And then the expansion, like I'll be honest, we're, 
we're very seriously thinking about putting a fucking hole in that wall. <laughs> like it's, it's, it, as our whole business venture seems to be going, everything seems to be just rolling so quickly that it, we have to make these transitions now and get ourselves set up for success so that yeah. we can create the atmosphere and the product and the community development and all that stuff we talked about today that we want to, because we've already done it now and we only have 30 people that we're allowed to have in. So if we can have double that or triple that and still have that same vibe, that's what we want. That's what we've tried to create. And now that we're moving toward kind of a normalcy again, again, we've said that all day, but it's, that's where we're aiming. That's what we're kind of going toward. We can't wait for it all to be over so that we can be the business that we like wrote down in the business plan. When we first started this, like, that's what we want. The first sheet of paper that said, like, this is what we're going to build. That's what we want to be at. And we're almost there. So we're so excited. That's awesome, man. This has been really cool, man, to, to hear the story and to, to hear what you, know, what you guys have achieved in such a short amount of time. And uh, it looks like there's a bunch of exciting shit to come up uh, in the, hopefully you know, in the coming months. So congrats on everything. It's, it's just it's very impressive. Once again, I've never seen anything like this as far as the speed. So, you know good for you i'm glad that it's working i'm glad the community loves it i'm glad that you guys just keep growing and keep you know building it out so it's it's fantastic i'm really glad we got this uh down bro so thank you for your time this has been really really cool bro. no thank you man this has been great i've been uh chomping at the bit to to say hey to you and it was cool to finally connect and enjoy a beer and yeah I'll be honest it's Hopeful. nice to be away from the brewery as, <laughs> as much as i love what i do i've been there i spent a lot of time in that building so it's nice to be home and relaxing and not, uh, I got to wake up tomorrow at 6 a.m. and head Oof. down to Toronto for Steam Whistle Beer Fest. So I got to say I'm pretty excited. I'm yes. pretty stoked. My first, our first official beer festival as a brewery, which is really cool. And it's one of the biggest ones here. So oh, we're, yeah. we're so. Yeah, and really we're like so, highly uh, regarded festival too. It's, yeah, uh, it's, uh, and it's going to be piss and rain. And oh, I fuck. said to a buddy of mine that's coming to help, I think it's going to make it just wilder. I think it's just going to be everybody ready to go and fuck the rain. Who cares? Let's get wet in there. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right, bro. Oh, that's amazing. You're going to love it. I'm, uh, I'm keen to hear about it. I just want to take the screen, uh, the thumbnail. I'm going to take a screenshot of this for the, uh, the YouTube thumbnail. Yeah. Do you want to hold up a couple of the, the cans and stuff? Sure. I'm going to hold up a couple with one hand, but, uh, Make sure we, we're showing off these products here. There we go. Yeah, this way. All right. Yeah. Ready? I always got to learn. I get fucking so much flack from the wife from product placement. There you go. You make sure it's in there. Okay, you ready? Gorgeous. Boom. All right, stick around. I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, stick around once I'll, I'll finish up the recording and we'll say goodbye after the um, – Absolutely. Afterwards. But uh, once again, brother, thank you so much for hanging out. Where oh, can thank every you. genuine genuine pleasure, man? Where Great can everybody? To to yeah, likewise, dude. Seriously, uh, where can everybody find Turkey Shoot online? Turkey Shoot, we can uh, be found at turkeyshootbrewingco.com, Instagram, all the same. Uh, if you're coming to visit, we're in Keswick, Georgina, four eight two, the Queensway. It's just me, Jacqueline, and my dog Judy, and uh, Love it. you will be greeted by her and a toy. So. We'll see you then. <laughs> you can never, ever go wrong when there's a dog in the brewery. It's true. Yeah, we got a craft dog. Yeah. You oh, always got to have dog. a craft animal. <laughs>
Oh, I love it. That's awesome, bro. So, guys, make sure you go check them out. This stuff is fantastic. Um, everyone, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell so you know when the new new drops. Follow us on social media at BAOS Podcast. Check out the long form audience. You can hear attractive gentlemen like Uncle Kyle right here talk about craft beer. We drop the podcast every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Uh, hit us up on Spotify, Apple Music, or Apple Music, Apple Podcast. Um, get that five star rating, man. Helps us uh, get in the uh, algorithms. You know the vibes. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Cheers.